5: Just win, baby Hey,
6: buddy, we're here
5: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN Carrie Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker. It's 7 o'clock, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers An officially licensed Rolex jeweler And your St. Louis Blues cannot lose Good morning, CD Hey,
7: that's four in a row isn't it? That yeah, is a winning streak. It's a winning streak. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're well into a winning streak at this yeah. point. We are doing extremely well. Um, good morning, Randy. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> no, I jumped right, we right into it. Hard it, hard it. I was I'm so excited up. about what was going on. Um, yeah, it's, it's good to be winning. It's good to be on the right side of things. The Blues with their fourth in a row last night and...
5: My advice to the rest of the Western Conference is to look out. Uh, the Blues with 14 points now—they're just two behind Calgary for the final wild card spot. And oh, by the way, Colorado—you have 17. You're in our sights too. Hey, right there. It's an opportunity. The Blues will play the Washington Capitals at Enterprise Center, six o'clock pregame, seven o'clock face-off. And when they do face off, they'll be wearing their yellow. Reverse retro jerseys tonight. I
7: mean, I like that. I like those jerseys. I like that they are, you know, just, just a little bit of a change. Give you a, a, a different look, a different view of what they can look like in those jerseys. So I'm excited to see them on the ice with those on. A
5: 5 2 victory last night in Chicago, 14 09 into the game. Callie Rosen.
6: Now it's O'Reilly into the hot zone. Leaves it for Levo, shooting it. And that one's blocked by Ragula White. Wide open to Rosen, out high. He scores! Callie Rosen with plenty of time and a wrist shot. That's deflected down onto the ice in front of the goal. And the Blues have taken a 1-0 lead. 5.51 to go, first period.
5: Jordan Bennington shut out Chicago for the rest of the first period, then 5-12 into the second, another even strength tally.
6: Shen wins the faceoff in the Chicago zone for the Blues, and Letty will push it down along the wing, but it misses Kairou, comes back to Letty at the line to hold it in, over to Kairou into the middle, he's got time, he shoots, he scores! Great patience and skill from Jordan Kairou, after a spectacular keep in by Letty, 2-0 Blues, Fourteen forty-eight to go. Period number one
5: for number two. Kerry, if you don't watch hockey, if you haven't seen a lot of hockey, and somebody says, "Okay, that's a goal scorer's goal," that Jordan Kyrou just scored.
7: You say, "Oh, I get it
5: now." Yeah, that's a, that, 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 that was, was a talent goal.
7: That was a guy that is better than you. go. Mm-hmm. I bit. I, this is what I do. I do it well, and and this is the 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 good. Uh, part of Cairo that we've been waiting waiting to see you. You saw some things over the last couple of games where you can tell he is figuring things out, yep. and then you get to have fun because you're able to score goals. I want to go back to Callie Rosen though. This is a guy. A couple of games ago, 11 minutes on the ice last night. He had 18 minutes, the most time he's had all season. He is a guy that when, when I to about him, I talked to Panger. We talked to Panger about him. Every time he's out there, you can just see him and Mikala. those two uh, pairing, paired together, have done an outstanding job. Um, and it's 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 exciting for me to see a guy that has been in the league, I think he's been in the league five or six years mm-hmm. now, but just kind of plugging his way through, not played many games. You have four games for a season here, eight games here. He's a guy that has worked his – it's so hard to stay in the league when you're not one of those guys that are playing every single night. To be able to do what he's doing right now, I'm absolutely, absolutely uh, amazed and, and and happy to see him uh, getting his opportunity and doing well with his opportunity. Bob
5: Plager used to say that his goal when he came into the dressing room after a game was he he would ask himself, "Did I cause my team to lose? Hmm. It, it wasn't. What do I do to help them win? What's I do? What do I do to prevent us from losing?" And that's. Not turning the puck over, it's chipping the puck out of the zone, it's letting the the clock be your coach, and... Rosen appears to do all those things. He's just a really nice, steady performer and, and plays, as Charlie Spunar used to say, plays the game right.
7: Yeah, he does. He <laughs> plays the game the right way. And when you have teammates that are playing the game right, sometimes when you're doing the right thing, the the, the, the puck or the ball seems to find you and good mm-hmm. things happen. And right now, good things are happening for Cali when he's on the ice. He's getting shots on goal uh, and, and getting opportunities to score. And he's playing more because he's playing well. So it's 2 nothing
5: Blues, but Andreas Antanasio scores at the 8.08 mark of the second to make it 2-1. But back came the Blues with Ryan O'Reilly.
6: Out high to Jones, back to Kane coming rink wide to Taves, it's intercepted and O'Reilly with a chari 2-on-1 shorthanded, Kane trying to get back O'Reilly shooting, He score! O'Reilly a shorthanded goal Blues make it 3-1, 11.52 to go in the first.
5: Adonacio scored another for Chicago to make it 3-2, but then Tyler Pitlick and Ivan Barbashev made their moms cry with goals, and the Blues win it by a score of 5-3 on the last night of the moms trip. Well, that stinks
7: because yeah. they were playing. They're playing very well in front of their moms. I'll say, got to keep them. Got to get them back out on why the road at some point. I'm trading a box tonight, right? <laughs> you get maybe. <laughs> but why not? I mean, are they flying out of St. Louis? Maybe you can stay for the game. Chicago tonight. is not a big track. So not that. Not that far. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think that was an outstanding thing for the Blues to do. It's outstanding for the players to get to have a time. Have time. You know, you don't get much time during the season to to spend with your family, mm. um, and and you know, <laughs> Thanksgiving is right around the corner. You get an opportunity to spend time with your mothers um, this week, and and just get them to watch you. And you're playing. You fight and you're playing well. Mm-hmm. It's not like they were they were in that eight game losing streak. They're playing well. Opportunity for their moms to see them. Opportunity for them to be a part of what what's going on for them. It's pretty cool for. Them.
5: So the Blues are rockin' and rolling. hashtag LGB. Kerry, uh, as you know, with the sports teams here in town, I don't tell the owners how to spend their money, and very rarely mm. do I tell general managers or pobos or pohos how to run their team. Can I offer a little bit of advice for John Mozeliak and Mike Gersh, however? Go ahead. If you have a Latin guy who has one of his names, either his first or last name that starts with A, don't get rid of him. Okay. Randy Rosarena, Rookie of the Year. Adolis Garcia, great player for the Rangers. Sandy Alcantara, his first Cy Young Award last night for the Miami Marlins. Now, we aren't complaining about the guys the Cardinals gave up for... Arenado and Goldie. Yes. That's because they are Latin guys who have an A that started <laughs> you in go. one of their
7: names. It, it, those two, those uh, Orozarena and, and Alcantara for sure are two guys that you think about. I mean, what you saw with Orozarena doing a couple of years ago in the postseason, you were like, oh, it would have been nice to have had him mm-hmm. in our lineup. Um, and and yeah, you know, but the, the thing about trades, Randy, you never know, you know, you, you feel like sometimes you get the short end of the stick and, and in those situations, obviously the Cardinals did, but they've they've done some pretty good job, uh, done a pretty good job with other other trades in the past and getting getting rid of some guys that didn't perform well for other teams. So it, it, it all evens out, I think. I, and I would think
5: that if the Cardinals would not have traded for a bat for 2018, that Cardinal Nation would have just gone bananas. Probably. So you have to look at it in, in that prism of when it happened and why it happened when it did.
8: Thank you so much for saying that. The, the amount of people who just only look on with foresight or hindsight, I should say, about the uh, uh, Alcantara trade, in and, and just they, they pan. Azuna was terrible. That's the worst trade I've ever seen. It set the Cardinals back for years. And they don't focus on the actual problem of that trade, which is they hadn't figured out the outfield despite having a lot of young prospects. The bigger issue today should not be focusing on the fact that Alcantara won a Cy Young, it should be that we're still having a conversation about the outfield at the level we're having it now, years after Ozuna Mm -hmm. which was years after when the problem originally reared its ugly head. That's honestly the through line and the topic that should be here when you talk about him winning the Cy Young. It shouldn't be making a Albeit trade that bit you in the ass a few years later, in the moment, a good move for a, a need you had to fill.
5: Traded for a guy who had 37 homers, 124 RBIs, and a 912 OPS the year before, won a silver slugger, and amazingly, a gold glove. That's what the
7: Marcelo Ozuna that the Cardinals acquired was that's what they were expecting as well mm-hmm. so you you can't really be upset and I think if you were to look back everyone when that trade happened was pretty happy, pretty happy yeah. about it so you know hindsight being 2020 obviously it didn't work out the way you wanted it to but at the time it was seemed like the mm-hmm. best deal for for the Cardinals
8: and you have to remember again the same people who who complain about that deal in other ways John Carlos Stanton wasn't coming to St. Louis. And by the way, if John
5: Carlos Stanton had, the Cardinals were going to take on that whole contract. They weren't going to get a part of the contract paid by the Marlins like the Yankees did. So if you do that move, and the guy has had a season where he played nine games and another where he played something like 16, and you have that whole contract, you never
8: get Goldschmidt and Arnado. And secondarily, Yellich wasn't available yet. Those exactly. are two things no you have to remember when people right, complain yep. about which of those Marlins yeah. outfields that outfielders they got. That was the one that was available to the Cardinals.
5: So Alcantara wins in the National League. Justin Verlander in the American League, he bounces back from Tommy John surgery, has one of his best years. According to reports, Verlander wants a Max Scherzer-type contract. Three years, about $130, million, $43 million a year. The Cardinals aren't going there, obviously, but if you're the Dodgers... Do you, do you look at that? You aren't going to have Bueller until next August. You, you have a really nice rotation as it is, but if you add Verlander, you can kill a fly with
7: a sledgehammer. Uh, he's going to be 40 in mm-hmm. February, mm-hmm. and which means by the time of that contract ends, he'll be 43. And we have steroid testing. And so I don't know that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you don't know when or if it's going to fall off, but I think a three-year deal for hundred and which About is a 130, 30, yeah. 130 million. I think that may be, you know, maybe some teams that that are a little fearful of that if they have common sense. It's not really a sensible move, <laughs> even if you all. have a lot of money. It's yes. not a sensible yes. move.
5: It's like buying uh Maserati when there's two feet of snow on the ground in Buffalo.
7: Or if it has like 150,000 miles on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's
5: the thing. That's exactly right. Last game, and Matthew was there last night over at City Park. City 2 falls 3-0 to German club of Bayern at Leverkusen. And before we came on the air, Matthew, I said, i got to start getting the panic bus warmed up here a little bit. <laughs> so th- 3-0 uh, is the loss to Bayern uh, to Bayern Leverkusen, are we bothered at all by this?
8: No, Randy, It's it was a friendly. Um, no such is, thing as friendly, baby. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, you, you play to win the game. Yes, you do. Hello! Uh, there was, I think so, out of the 11 <laughs> guys on the field to start the game, I think probably only seven of them are going to be consistent first-teamers. There were still a lot of young guys uh, out there, yeah, and at one point late in the game, you were playing a 15-year-old. Um, oh, okay. who's, who's still in high, playing high school uh, Mike Trout was great he high was 19 <laughs> Hello That's true um, <laughs> Was so, Freddie Adu on our team? Uh, Freddie Adu is not on our team he's okay. a little Is bit he older. still he's 15? Older. No, he's, <laughs> he's not still 30. 30 No, he's still 30 really? Freddie? wow. Freddie's gotta, Fre- be, gotta be 30 I was like 13 when he was like 13? 18. I was like 10 when he was like 15 So I mean, <laughs> he's gotta be in his late thirties, I think hey. at this point, uh, okay. yeah, he never he never really panned out. By flies, man. <laughs> 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 so you can say that again. So here's
5: what's going on: is the first week of the season. Is that what we're saying?
8: Well, it's th- it's it's four months before oh. the first week oh, of the okay. season. Okay. <laughs> All so right, then free th- agency just opened up, uh, or just the, like the the players who are available in free agency just came out yesterday. So. A lot of time to improve the yeah. roster, Good. and hopefully those 15-year-olds won't be starting, yeah. uh, you know, on March on the first team the MLS. And by the way, a sellout crowd last night, right? A full p- packed City Park. Yeah, pretty despite awesome. How, despite how cold it was, I mean, that was it was a, a, a very impressive show out. I would I would say at at first there was they gotta they're still doing construction on the roads down mm-hmm. there, and so there's only one lane. On each going each way right now in front of the stadium on Market, and so they gotta they gotta figure out they gotta get the construction done by mm-hmm. March. There was a lot of congestion, a lot of people were filtering in a little bit later just because the traffic to get down there was so tough. But I mean, as soon as you were about twenty five minutes into the first, it was almost completely full. Great. And with that weather, with how cold it was, and it kept getting colder throughout the game, it was a great it was a great atmosphere. The supporter section was everything they kind of you know trumped it up to be with everyone standing all the time. The rain that you can lean on, all the flags are flying, they got the chance going. Uh, it was it was a it was a pretty impressive first display with you know four months to kind of go still.
5: Titans and Packers tonight at Lambeau, 25 degrees at kickoff. Ooh. I know that the 41-year-old Kerry Davis
7: doesn't like it when mm-hmm. it's 25 degrees. What about the 25 year old Kerry oh, Davis? I loved it. I, listen, Randy, <laughs> we had a rule in Pittsburgh that we didn't wear sleeves. Uh-huh. It didn't matter. Offense did not wear sleeves. It didn't matter what the temperature was. We didn't wear sleeves, and it was a mindset that you really had to have a a, a something about you to be in that weather. Twenty degrees, you know, less than twenty degrees. It, it's cold, mm-hmm. and we're right off of the, the 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 river. It's cold, and so but the opposing team sees you. And I what the hell is wrong with these guys? They don't have sleeves on this. It's 15 degrees out here. Nah, we got it flowing through our veins, baby. We're ready to go. So the 25, 26-year-old me I I didn't even need a shirt on in, in 20 degree weather. Right now, I I walked from the car to the to the studio. I was like, oh my God, it, is, it is the most it is freezing out here. I gotta get me inside yeah, quickly. Same so
5: yeah. Thing. Hey Greg is gonna join us at the bottom of this hour. We're gonna talk to John Kelly at 815, Matt Seebeck from St. Louis City SC at 845. And at 9 o'clock, a couple of weeks ago, I was giving you guys a Cliff Notes version of the history of the spirits of St. Louis. And I said, we've got to get Bob Costas on sometime to tell some spirit stories. And Bob is going to join us to... Tell some spirits of St. Louis stories coming up in the nine o'clock hour. But next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. It's time for Sick of It on 101 ESPN. You're back to
1: the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
5: Jerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, and it's time for Sick of It on 101 ESPN. So this was the product of Bradley Beal's wife going to the Twitter machine one time after the uh, Washington Wizards lost again when Beal had a huge night, scored 47, and, and the Wizards lost. And she goes to the Twitter machine and just puts simply... Sick of it. (laughs) She's listening. Yeah. So uh, I I always thought it was sick of it, kind of a dramatic valley girl sick of it. And Michelle always thought it was more like sick of it, you know, just kind of an angry sick (laughs) of it. But CD, here's what I'm sick of. I'm sick of turning on the mothership every morning as I walk into this studio and hearing them talk about where Odell Beckham Jr. is going to go. And they've been doing it basically since week one. I am sick of that. OBJ just signed someplace already. <laughs>
7: he's not ready to come back. I think he <laughs> won't be 100% ready to go until mid December. So I got another another month of this? Yeah, yeah. Come About on. 3 weeks, 3 to 4 weeks of it and and when he chooses, he's he's a very intelligent man. He's very mm-hmm. uh, does a very good job with marketing himself and mm-hmm. branding himself. So he'll know the best place where he needs to be and where he wants to be and the best opportunity to win another Super Bowl. This morning's story was that Saquon wants him back with the yeah, Giants. Saquon, Jerry Jones in Dallas, you know. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Buffalo Bills, Von Miller. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants Odell. He's a, he's a difference maker. Yeah. He's a hell of a player. Uh, Randy, I don't know. I, I don't know if you watch partake in a lot of NBA basketball I I am a I enjoy NBA basketball I specifically enjoy the uh, Golden State Warriors I've been a fan you know prior to prior to them getting this 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 championship group core together Mm -hmm. I am sick of watching them lose they have not won a game on the road this season Stephen Curry Yes, that's Stephen Curry. Went for 50 last night and they still lost. His last 3 of his last the 3 of his last 5 games he had 47, 40, 50. 3 of those were losses. And it is absolutely it, it is miserable to watch this team play defense. They have not won on the road. They cannot win on the road because they do not defend anyone. They just sent their pick James Wiseman, their uh, first first overall, mm-hmm. second overall pick James Wiseman down to the G League so he can figure some things out. They they are struggling and they have to figure something out quickly. I, I'm not a, a panic bus person with mm-hmm. the Warriors because I just know that at some point they'll get it together. But this is terrible. Two things: number one, losing Mike Brown was a bigger deal yes. than I think
5: a lot of us thought it was going to be. And Gary Payton the second, not Gary Payton Jr. but Gary Payton the second, right? I have yes, the right Gary Payton, he, he, yeah, son. that one.
7: And, and they, he, both of yeah. them are his son. Yeah, yeah, yeah both, both Gary. Both yeah. Garys. Yeah. But the second is the one that plays in the NBA. Right. Yeah, and, and then the other part of this, from <laughs> from, my, from my perspective. <laughs> well, I think didn't yeah. Some people don't know that. Yeah, 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 he's right. got two sons yeah. named Gary Payton yeah. right. Jr. And, and then the Gary second. Payton second. The second, yeah. Yeah. The second yeah. is the one yeah. that's in the
5: NBA. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the other part of this, <laughs> if you're going to go on the road and struggle defensively, and you're going to Phoenix. You got problems.
7: Yeah, because they <laughs> score the basketball. Real quick question: What's the difference between junior and the second? Like, what's the what's the? I mean, I, other than having two mm-hmm. children named. They're, that? I think they ast- have different middle names. Is it because what's So when it becomes the third, isn't that the
8: third? That's that's of my the thing. Is, I I think you're junior until the third generation comes along. And then along, you become the second. And then you give them the name. Now you then become the second because they're now Ooh. the third. I need somebody to write in. Six, six, seven, I, eight, I, thought, you know, I thought to be a second, you had to have this little middle name, just like you had to, have yeah. just for like a junior. But but, but sometimes no.
7: they call themselves the second before
8: the third is there. Or, so, or you got guys you, like Todd Gurley if, who 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 just start calling themselves Todd Gurley Senior, and you're just like, I'm, I'm confused, sir. He had a child, I would have But, like, why do you change it up? You, it, why, no one knows, he he you, no one knows to, who your kid is. Maybe he wanted— <laughs> You're Todd Gurley! So when he becomes—his
7: son becomes Todd Gurley Jr., you'll know that his— that Again, you start
8: throwing senior on top of the dad's name? I always just little, knew people as junior. It's
7: interesting. I don't know. That's all so I'm saying.
5: Gary Payton the second is Gary Dwayne Payton. Okay. Gary Payton Jr. is— also, oh, no, that's a different. No, that's still Gary the Second. I don't know about Gary Jr. I'll figure this out
8: before we're done. If someone
7: says, whatever you do, don't ask George Foreman, because he named all lie. his kids George. hey, yeah. hey. hey. <laughs> Credit where credit is due. He has rectified
8: that sense and given them all different names to differentiate between which middle George names. Form. Yeah, and, then, and now they all. But go. they were
7: all named. They're
8: all named George. But he yeah he he added he, just, he added middle names yeah. years later because he was like yeah I made a mistake. <laughs> That's <laughs> nice. Of him to get that mistake. <laughs> the greatest naming convention in sports is still what the father of Equimenius and Amon Ross St. Brown did. His name is John Brown. <laughs> and he named them Equiminius Saint Brown and Amon Ra Saint Brown. That man knew how to brand people and there I love that. There you go. That.
5: That's great. Brand your kids. <laughs>
8: I didn't mean it like that. It's like, just like, you know, a better way than my, than uh, LeVar Ball did is all I'm saying. I'm sick of the snails pace to the MLB offseason. The league has a marketing problem. They need to find a better way to capture people's attention and get them excited. It's bad when the lockout hot stove was more exciting than normal off seasons. I agree with that. I agree wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly
7: with that. That's, we talked about that last week uh, when they were starting up free agency. And I was like, Oh, so midnight, we're going to four Oh one. We're going to have, you said, no rent, rent carry. No, we're, we're, gonna, not gonna, we're not going to, we don't want that way in the MLB. W- well why not because basketball does NFL does you get to find out where your favorite players are going it's like it's like christmas eve yeah waiting right. to see who's going to go where and if baseball wants to have to generate more of that that passion that energy and that excitement for their game they need to have something where major free agents are signing on the day of not waiting till mid january to figure out who's going to go where you it, could it, own it's the ridiculous. sports world there you really could
8: yeah, that's that's a that's a great, absolutely great text. Sick of it, guys like AJ McCarron, professional athlete and a beautiful wife.
7: Those hey, things usually do go. They, yeah. I mean, they kind of go. Yeah. <laughs> it's
8: kind of you must be sick of a lot of people, my guy. It's,
7: it's part of the
8: although part of it. How are these bankers with all these Ferraris getting women? Yeah. <laughs> uh,
7: I will say this: <laughs> just unable to read the room. Rock.
0: Yeah.
5: <laughs> AJ McCarron doesn't just have. A beautiful wife. He Good has word. the beautiful wife. According to Britt Musburger, for yeah, sure. Yeah, no doubt about are, it.
8: Are you giving her top WAG status?
5: She's she's more beautiful than Giselle, mm. who's not,
7: I guess, a WAG anymore. That's, nah. She's a girlfriend. Well, she's not. Yeah, somebody's girlfriend. She's, <laughs> that's, oh, my God. Tom, a jiu-jitsu trainer. We're here for you, brother. Yep.
8: Three one four is sick of players doing the fork to mouth routine after getting after getting uh, on a hot streak. If kids did that in Little League, it would be considered poor, poor sportsmanship. First of all, first of all, I mean I'm not fork to mouth. A so weird way to describe it. You're, you're eating, it, you're so eating. it's
7: spoon to mouth for
3: you're, you. Yeah, yeah, it's for yeah,
8: Spoon to mouth <laughs> for me. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's a fantastic. I think that's a fine, benign little way to trash talk away from sports. So like in sports, I mean, that's a fine
7: one. I think Zeke actually got that from Carlos Hyde. Yeah, he didn't. Zeke didn't create that. He got it from Carlos Hyde. I know that because mm-hmm. Carlos Hyde was doing it. And so, stop stealing Zeke's uh-huh. celebration. No, I, I, it's an Ohio State thing. But here, that 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 texter has an issue with fun. I think. I think sometimes yeah, some of these texters have, they they have issues with fun. If it was, it's not. They're, they're not in the little leagues. They're in professional sports. So therefore, they are. Able to have that type of excitement. Well, in his in teach his, your kids not to do yeah, what the professionals
8: saying, do. He was saying that if kids do that, it's if well. Kids tell your, do, your kid not to sportsmanship. do sportsmanship. Well, I'm sorry. I think that's kids, part of coaching and parenting. I think kids sorry, should, <laughs> kids should be able to have some fun when they're out there playing sports. Listen, you shouldn't be like rubbing kids Listen. facing it when you're up 64 and nothing. But if you're if you're going back and forth with the team and you want to do a little bit of, you, know, Rock, you just want to do a little bit. Come on, Rock, have let me some tell you,
7: fun. it is it is that's a dangerous, that's a slippery know, slope slippery you're on. Because you give these kids a little I bit, and they're gonna go, they're gonna go I think. Listen,
8: I, I, I know <laughs> you as a coach has to put an absolute stop to all of that. I'm saying, as a fan of the game, just watching these kids play, why are you personally going to be like it's bad sportsmanship? That should like I understand why the coach has got to have a hard line, but if you're just watching kids play, why are you getting bothered when one of them does a little bit of like a dance well, or or that? I mean, it's all Joe Horne's
7: fault. R- yeah, we had a
8: great a, celebration. We won, we won against
7: Pattonville, and I had one of our kids waving bye to the opposing team yeah. to, and, and, and I, get why I you sprinted I, oh. I get that I first get why all, you have
8: to shut that down
7: and, and, and I'm like bro first of all you you, you didn't play like, <laughs> that's also <bash. laughs> you, that's <laughs> bad that's bad trash talking etiquette that's bad trash talking etiquette second dude. of all it's extremely disrespectful to do that son don't do like yeah. I sprinted to him I said hey Stop. Go get in line and shake everyone's hand, so we can get out of here. Please and thank you, sir.
5: I was at one of (laughs) Carrie's games, and right at the beginning of halftime, a couple of kids
7: got together for a selfie, and Carrie went nuts. Oh no! (laughs) I did. So we're winning. We we. We only won four games, two of which Randy was at. So I, I Randy, will be at more games. Than Randy. Randy. That is, oh. Randy he doesn't, needs, he doesn't know this yet, but he, he will be there. Randy ready um, for another high school hall <laughs> of fame. Yeah. But the kids, we're it's, it's, we're going into halftime, and I look to the sideline, I look behind me, and the kids are posing for pictures. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell are y'all doing? <laughs> I I about sprinted over there and I said, <laughs> back on the sideline, let's go. And, and so and Randy, part I heard is, <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs>
8: <laughs> I was I was extremely yeah, upset. Carrie, how many times has a player asked you what time it is during practice and you responded, What? You got a date? And yeah, just like uh, a all the of time. Times? Where do you gotta be? You got
7: somewhere to go? Hey, we're practicing. Where, where, where do you need to be that is more important than right here? Don't ask me. I, don't ask me what time it is. I don't know. <laughs> Do you just, like, get
8: that phrase programmed into your body yeah. and they hand you the whistle?
7: Yeah. You got a date? You got somewhere to be? <laughs> that was always
5: my favorite Great. one. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> uh, thank
8: you so much, Randy.
5: Coming up next, Greg Amzinger, MLB Network. The Cy Young Awards are handed out. Is he going to give him an award to a Cardinal tonight? That's next on 101 ESPN.
4: Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One,
6: two, three, four. Arenado with a drive. And a deep left. It's at the wall. Gone. And in the Yankee bullpen. Bush Stadium erupts. Three run homer. Arenado. And they one, 1-1. One. And Goldie hits it out to deep right center. This ball carries. Gone! It carries out of here. Three-run homer. Goldschmidt on base streak at 39. Hitting streak at 25. And St. Louis on top, 4-3 to here in the third.
5: There will be a definite St. Louis flavor tonight when Greg Amzinger hosts the MLB MVP show on MLB Network. Greg is with us now on the Brown and and Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How are you
9: doing? I know I've been doing great all week, guys. I, I, I have a pep in my step to go to the office during the BBWAA Awards week. The, the previous shows have been awesome. Last night, the Cy Young show was really like an emotional thing. I had Pedro, uh, who is the idol of uh, Sandy Alcantara, present that award. Um, And then, obviously, Justin are doing it for a third time. Tonight's the big one. Uh, We'll be having conversations with every finalist, including Nolan Arenado, who was texting with last night, and Paul Goldschmidt. It's going to be a pretty cool, fun, historic night. I always say this to the guys that are on the show with me right before we go live. I go, hey, guys, just so you know, we get to be a part in a little sliver of a way of one of the 20 to 30 greatest days of these men's lives. So just think about that for Mm -hmm. a second. We get to be just a little bit a part of one of the greatest moments of their life, and I think that's really cool.
5: And I'm not just saying this, but the NFL and the NBA and the NHL, they all have awards dinners, and the players come up in their tuxedo and accept their award. I think the natural reaction that we see with the players generally having their families with them is better. I think the way that the the Major League Baseball awards the awards is the best.
9: Yeah, see, that's interesting that you say that because um, if COVID didn't hit, I have been pushing to go to Vegas and have a gigantic event, red carpet, celebrities are in the house, and every finalist is there dressed to the nines with their, their significant others, their families. Everybody can come, and they have a, a celebratory moment in front of all of us, and we do all of the awards in one night, and I'm just being very candid with you, I'm really still pushing for that. <laughs> I really want a gigantic night where baseball owns a day on the calendar in the off season, where it is all-encompassing, and it's kind of like a, a big deal. If you're a baseball fan, you can attend this as well. I'm trying to make that happen, and, and we shall see, but we almost got there. We got the green light to do it, then COVID hit. So we're still in this current format, which you say you like, and I don't hate it. But I just think there's a way to really take it to another level. And that's what i fingers crossed, I'm trying to do.
5: I watch the MLB draft now. I know what sort of power you wield. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not really power. I just never stop complaining.
4: So boss,
9: of it, and I eventually break them. I, break them. I break them. I break all these people. And they're like, Greg, can you just shut up and give me what you want? Be quiet.
7: Hey, hey, Greg, um, do you feel that, that potentially that Arenado and, and Goldie could? Uh have some issues with the splitting votes or is it a foregone conclusion that, that Goldie is gonna win this award?
9: You know, back in the old days that would play out. I was thinking about it for the Rookie of the Year, uh this past uh you know, Monday when you had Michael Harris the second and Spencer Strider, the both teammates with the Atlanta Braves. But writers today, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about the data, you know, they're, they're just looking at the numbers and they're crunching that. And, you know, Michael Harris with 19 home runs, but he, he missed the first two months of the season. If, if you play a 162. uh, you know, what pace was he on? He was, he was every bit as good, if not better, than Julio Rodriguez. He was at, on pace, hit 27 home runs, still over 30 bases. He played, you know, damn near gold glove center field. So that's what you're talking about in center field. And he edged out his teammate Spencer Strider, at a for at almost 14, which is hard to fathom. Uh, but I was wondering if that would be the case. It didn't work out that way in Harris 1. I don't think that's going to be the case here tonight. You know, it's funny. We were talking about Sandy Alcantara and how great he was. Uh, if he was on a better team, Right. If, if his numbers were exactly the same and he had more complete games than any team in Major League Baseball this year for the first time that's ever happened, which is what he did with six complete games. And he was doing this and every game mattered. And he was win day. And, if you, and some baseball fans may not remember this. But he was essentially the way he was pitching was the way CC Sabathia pitched for the Milwaukee Brewers when he was like a rental. And, and he was, um, um, you know, trying to become a, a marquee free agent. And that obviously, this is not with the same case as Sandy Alcantara. But if he was doing that for a playoff team, a playoff team, and he leads the National League and wins above replacement, which is what he did, he has a higher WAR than Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. We'd be talking about an MVP candidate, Sandy Alcantara. So it's interesting that Paul Goldschmidt is third in WAR, and I don't even know if it's a conversation. Yeah, he might win a unanimous MVP tonight. We mm-hmm. saw unanimous. Cy Young's last night, two of them, first time since 1968, Denny McLain and, and Bob Gibson. I think we're expecting, I am, I don't, again, we don't know the results, but I'm expecting a unanimous Paul Goldschmidt NL MVP.
5: Love it. Greg, Sandy Alcantara is under contract for $6 million next year, then 9-24, $17 million in 25, $17 million in and 26, and a club option of $21 million in 2027. And Max Scherzer's getting forty-three million dollars a year. Degrom will be around forty. Verlander will probably be around forty. What an incredible bargain the Marlins have in El Contra!
9: Huge bargain. And let's also consider that you know they're the Marlins. They'll have the ultimate trade ship in the entire sport for years to come. No matter what his salary becomes, you just read it off. It's all a bargain, even when it's over twenty million a Mm -hmm. year. It's a bargain, so they will have added value because of the contract that he agreed to. So they could transform their farm system if they choose to do that. And as you look at the Marlins, the way they're set up, the the one thing they have, the one thing Derek Jeter left them with, is pitching depth. So I, I think it's kind of a foreseeable, um, you know, probability that he'll be traded. I I would be shocked if Sandy Alcantara. Finishes this contract wearing a Marlins uniform. Wow. I just I don't think there's any chance it's going to happen.
7: Hey, Greg, uh, Randy and I were discussing this, and I think that baseball may be missing the mark. And I wanted to get your opinions. Football does a great job of free agency. You get prepared, you get it the night before, and 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 every the next morning you know who who's going where. Basketball does the same thing. Do you feel that baseball is missing an opportunity to brand itself by not having those key big time free agents um, signing places the day that free agency starts?
9: You know, I, I do find it interesting when we compare baseball to other sports. And, and you know, it, I understand why people do it. I have always said that following your favorite team in baseball is a labor of love. It, it, it's actual work. It's labor. Like, it, they play every day. If you, if you go on vacation for a week and you don't check your phone <laughs> and you're just laying on a beach – You come back in a week. If you missed a week's worth of Cardinal games, you can't hold a conversation with people at work. (laughs) You've missed way too much, okay? So baseball is a a labor of love. You have to follow it constantly. But if you're a a hardcore fan like we are, I enjoy the marathon. I enjoy the regular season marathon. I enjoy the off-season marathon. It is a day-by-day emotional roller coaster. And the way it slowly bleeds out... it's not just chop it off and get it over with like other sports do. And yes, they may own a day, but man, it's it's fun when I wake up in the morning and I watch Matt Vasgersian and Harold Reynolds, John Morosi, and that hot stove show is every day relevant in the off season because there's so many marquee free agents. It's 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 a soap opera for a sports fan, and I, I kind of dig the labor of love that baseball always brings to my life.
5: Greg Amsinger, I made an egregious mistake on the air earlier this week and I it just struck me and I will report it to everybody.
9: can I can I can I guess what it is? Uh, Yes, but I don't think you have any chance of getting it. I'm going to guess you said the Lindenwood University and not the Lindenwood University.
5: No, it's always the Lindenwood University. Okay, all right. So you didn't mess that up. All right, okay. So did you see the Trey Turner hype video where John Hamm voiced it? Yes. So we had a discussion about who would uh, narrate our hype videos for some crazy reason. Unbeknownst to me now, I said George Clooney when the definitive answer is Greg Amzinger. If somebody's going to do the Randy character, me? right,
9: it's, you have to do my hype video. I don't like Randy, but I, I am insulted.
5: This I is a great, <laughs> I, I am crushed that this would happen.
9: I I don't. I mean, obviously, this is live, so it just. I guess that show just went out into space. You Great. can't go back and redo that, can you? I,
5: I can't. But here's the thing: it's like every player that gets popped for steroids and said, "I've got to apologize to my friends and family and team." They have that Microsoft uh, template, the, the apology <laughs> template. I, I I'm starting with you. I, I've got it. I've got to, I've got to apologize to Greg Amzinger, the listenership of the opening drive, everybody in St. Louis, every baseball fan everywhere. I promise to be better as we work through this problem that I have.
9: There's only one thing to do. There's only one way we can fix this. You're going to write your own hype video script. You will. (laughs) I will then read it. I will voice it over, and you will present this hype video on your broadcast. We'll do it. Your loyal listeners. (laughs) And I will make sure that I wake up more than five minutes before I'm on your show. Your show, so I am in great voice, and I will deliver the greatest hype video voiceover that this, your your viewership and listenership has ever experienced in the
5: I, I love this. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll
2: do. I'm looking it. forward to so that. I have a really
5: good friend who she she wrote my bio and made me sound like Costas. So, uh...
2: <laughs> time
9: <laughs> I
10: Please, Randy.
9: This is not. I don't want Randy at Lindenwood University where you have someone else do your homework. Okay. Oh please.
5: (laughs) Can we please have you actually write it? I will. I'm a good writer. I'm a good writer. Okay.
9: Good. And then I'll voice it. All right. Will absolutely someone do someone do, it. do your homework, please. Yeah. You and McLaughlin, I mean, sw- I swear, you and McLaughlin, did you do any homework while you were at Lindenwood?
5: No. <laughs> okay, so, Greg, uh, I, I've got a minute left, so I'll help you. I'll, I'll do something here. I told these guys earlier. So, uh, October was the Lindenwood Hall of Fame. November last weekend, I went into the Parkway Hall of Fame, okay? And the, at the beginning of the Hall of Fame ceremony, there is a Parkway historian talking about how. At Parkway Central, uh, back in the 50s, when it opened it, as just the Parkway School, they started with classrooms, and then they built libraries, and then they were able to to grow the district. I get up there for my speech, and I said, one thing about the Parkway School District is you never stop learning. For example, I found out tonight that we had libraries. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they must have been so proud of
9: (laughs) the Hall of Famer.
5: I got a laugh out of them.
9: (laughs) All right, wait. Don't let anyone do your homework here, okay, Randy? I want you to write it, and I'll voice it.
5: You got it. We'll do it. And, uh, yeah, next week, happy Thanksgiving. Next week, uh, we're off. You're off because we're going to allow you to enjoy Thanksgiving with your family. And uh, then the week after that, we'll air my hype video voiced by you on this segment. I cannot wait for this.
9: Okay. <laughs> I really, I'm, I'm going to go to sleep early
5: tonight before I make on. All right, it'll be awesome. Hey, have a great day. We'll be tuned in tonight. All of St. Louis awaiting uh, breathlessly the announcement of the MVP tonight on MLB Network. All right, I'll see you guys on TV. All right, brother. Thank you. See you later.
7: <laughs> That's the great Greg Emzinger on. 101 ESPN. This is going to be awesome. I, I, I want to hear your words about yeah. yourself and then I want to hear him do the voiceover for, for you. It's going to be yeah. it's going to be amazing. We're this, going to have a good time. Trey Turner got his agent
5: to do it for
6: him.
5: Take it or leave it is next on 101 ESPN. You're
1: back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say
9: something? Put it out. Set it right back.
4: Get your text into 65780 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it.
5: We need your text, 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Carrie Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, CD. Dalvin Cook of the Vikings tweeted that his teammate, Kirk Cousins, is currently the coolest quarterback in the NFL. Take it or leave it, Dalvin Cook is correct. I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Um, is, is Cousins cooler than any other QB right now?
7: I think when you, in, in as his teammates are watching him and he's celebrating on the on the planes, putting everyone's mm-hmm. chains on after on their on their plane ride back to 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 Minnesota, I would say yes. I, I'll take that. I, I think he's now. I think Jalen Hurts is probably a little bit cooler than him. Mm-hmm. Uh, just his his whole swagger and how he goes about himself. I think Jalen Hurts is a really cool quarterback, but I'll take it for the sake of Dalvin Cook believing in his quarterback. So yes.
5: I'm gonna take it. I'm, I'm gonna say it's a tie because I think Joe Burrow is just Joe so Poo. cool. I don't
7: disagree with that. <laughs> Joe Burrow, Joey B is is a different level of cool. He he has a little bit something about him that just 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 kind of goes about his day, and everyone so, knows. I,
5: I said last year that I thought it was really interesting how a quarterback could kind of pull a town along with him and kind of just change the the outlook of a town. And before, I guess it was the, the Bengals uh, and uh, Dolphins game, the, the Monday night game, I was talking to Joe Buck about that thing, how I thought that that was the case. He said, Zach Taylor actually said that to them in their production meeting, that, hmm. that Joe Burrow
7: has changed the mentality yeah. of Cincinnati. That's a good thing. You got a quarterback in there that believes in yeah. himself, that is a champion, won a championship in college and, and took him to a championship game this this past year. He does have a lot of confidence. Randy, my uh, Pittsburgh Steelers sit at 3-6, mm-hmm. third in the AFC North. Mike Tomlin has never had a season where he finished under five hundred. They have had some tough losses. They they obviously lost three games, but three of those games that they lost to the Patriots by three, to the Jets by four, and to the Dolphins by six. So within a touchdown from from you know, flipping that game to being wins, take it or leave it, Mike Tomlin still does not have a season finishing under five i I'm 100% going to take it. I don't know
5: how he does it, but that's a team that never stops playing. A lot of teams that are 3-6, and they stop playing,
7: and the the Steelers never stop playing. Keep fighting. He's going to find a way, and they got the Bengals this weekend. They already beat them at Cincinnati. They got them at home. T.J. Watt, as you said earlier, is back in the fold. I think it's going to be a pretty good game, and if they win that one, watch out.
8: Matthew, what do we got? Take it or leave it. If the baseball team is out of challenges and the manager initiates an umpire review and the call stands, he should be ejected. Leave it. You don't like that? that. What do you think should happen? Put some standards on. Put some uh, stakes on it. Why not?
7: I felt like, um, was it Showalter that that checked um, the ears of of the... the Yeah. I felt like he should have been ejected. Because he slowed the game down. Musgrove, right? Yeah. He slowed the game down. Knowing full well that this gentleman gets checked after every half inning, every every time he comes off the mound, he gets checked. He knew what he was doing. It's a little gamesmanship, but he should have been. It is. But the, th- the problem is is that that's within
5: the rules for him yeah, gotta be to changed. do that. You can't, can't. change the rules so that you can throw him out. That's fine. But I I, I think there, there's too much on the line For to throw a manager out for a, a challenge that doesn't work.
8: Well, that's what I'm saying. Eh. All right. Taking or leave it. the jokes on the opening drive who balked at my previous Teoli where I said the Blues would come home with five points. Uh, totally jokes on us. Jokes. Yep. You.
7: But, uh, yeah. Good you job. Win.
8: You win.
5: You were and correct. you know what? No, you weren't. They come home with six.
6: <laughs> gotcha.
8: <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Um... Take it or leave it. The Blues' post game tweet was epic trolling of Scott Darling. That intern deserves a full time job. Oh, I didn't oh. even
5: see it. Let me check it out here. It was, think, they, they, it was, it hush was a hush
8: little darling. Darling, I think it was like a, that was a darling of a game or something like that. No, oh. they, they yeah, got they, it. They got it in there one way or another. They had. I
7: thought it saw some say hush little darling or something. Yeah, that's like what that. it was. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. That's Which again, good. you yeah, gotta. I'll,
8: I'll take it. You gotta appreciate anytime. Anytime you can get into it on. Um, Twitter like that in a, in a good successful way that that makes it, yeah hush little darling don't, don't say, a, say word. a word yeah that's that's, that's really good
2: yeah,
8: that's really funny uh, take it or leave it we're just as excited as a, for AJ McCarron's wife coming to STL as we are for him and the team
7: I believe that I I'm not gonna look and and, and discuss another man's wife I'll leave it. You She'll Br-
5: like St. Louis, though. She you will. and
7: Brent Musburger are different people. We are, we are different animals. <laughs> we well, the same, the, I guess.
5: Uh, I don't know. I, I
8: think Adrian <laughs>
5: pretty good. I, I'm excited about having him in town. Yeah, no, but... I always liked him. Yeah. You, I don't care, about the way.
8: There you go. I'm good with him. Interesting take here. Take it or leave it. If pe- It's the people who don't use condiments or dipping sauces for their food. They're the real freaks in this world. Listen... If you don't use any condiments? If you don't there are people that don't want
7: things wet on their food. Like it, it like they're eating dry burgers, dry french fries, chicken nuggets. Who hurt you? Who did? What who did this to you? How did you how, what made you this way? One word, man. W- one word. Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter had a friend who put ranch on everything my daughter and does nothing that. El- like St. Louis baby. Everything. Mm-hmm. I mean everything. I'm like, why do you? I need ranch. I need mm-hmm. everything. I'm like, oh, that's that's awful. That is an awful combination. So like, does it my daughter ranch on
8: pizza? Ranch on fries. You know, dips uh, dip yeah. chicken tenders. Ranch on fries is weird to me. That's that's the one where I think it's kind of weird. Yeah. I, it's, actually, it's, it's actually not pretty, bad. No, it depends not. what kind of fry. Yep. Here's the Like a
5: burger, it's never ketchup or mustard. It's ranch on a burger. Really? really? Yeah.
8: That's the okay. only condiment. That's why. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, okay. <laughs> the thing that gets me, the real freaks in the world are, if you're ever sitting on somebody and they get a plate of fries and they uncork that ketchup bottle and then they just douse the fries oh, right there hey, on the yeah. plates. That's me. I don't put it. I don't. I don't. You're so there the are two I'm types sorry. of people. I'm sorry. What are you Some doing? people
7: put the ketchup on the side and dip doing? their fries in Hi. Quick question. Put it on, on all the fries. Do
8: you use a fork
7: then to eat the fries? No, I do not. I have I no problem it. with I find, that I find the fry that does not have ketchup on it, the piece of the fry, and that's the fry. I, that's how I eat it.
5: Okay. Here is the condiment okay. that goes with everything. Chick-fil-A sauce. Oh, yeah. Everything.
7: It does. Chick Fil A has, has has done a very good job of. That stuff oh, is so uh, best.
5: That stuff
8: is so freaking yep. good. Chick Fil
5: A and De Pere, they're the they're they're the most efficient. They're the best, and every Chick Fil A is fantastic. They are, uh, but but my go to is the one in De Pere, and I'll tell you what, that Chick Fil A sauce is. To die for, maybe not not literally, but to die for. I used to not be a fan,
8: but man, there's something about like a loaded, a loaded like batch of fries. Now, like I used to be like, no, just give me regular fries, maybe a little ketchup. But now, I don't know the idea of them being doused in cheese and bacon. So you could put cheese and bacon uh, on your fries, but ketchup is off limits. limits. I, but then I, but then I, then I then I eat the fries with a fork. Oh, I'll my. be 100% honest. So you, know you do you like? eat fries with a fork? If, if, if you douse them in cheese and bacon, <laughs> I do. I'm glad to know this. I'm sorry, right? but that's and but the thing is, I used to hate it because I was like, I'm not going to about to eat my fries with a fork. But then one day I broke down and I was like, I'll eat the fries to... with a fork. And there's a game Life changer. Loaded, fri- <laughs> loaded fries are my thing right now. Uh,
5: take it or leave it. Loaded tots greater than loaded fries. Also
8: more acceptable to use the fork. Leave
7: it. No fries are. I mean, I'm going loaded. Tons. I like
8: Randy's thinking here. It's more acceptable to use the fork in that case. The fork looks to less is, weird when it's a I'll give you that. No, when it's a yeah, you got to use it. You got to use a fork. Exactly. For that. So, yeah. I, Randy, and I, I like I, the loophole and, you created and, for me there.
7: Thank you. And I do not disagree with using a fork for fries okay. if it's messy. Yeah. If it's messy, you can use a fork. I, I have no issue with that. Thank See? you, Matthew. Somebody like,
8: said, "CD picks the kettle directly on the fries. You savage. I am. <laughs> I am, and I, I am. I, have a, I don't have any problem.
5: Six and one half dozen to the other. If if." you dip it i mean it takes less time if you douse them so it's 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 not that's no biggie thank you (laughs) thank you randy coming up next okay the blues lost three in a row or won three in a row lost eight in a row won four in a row who are the real blues that's next on 101 espn
4: you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn presented by dobbs tire and auto centers a fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today.
5: It's good. You know, I, you know, we've been playing good hockey and finding a way to get some goals. And, uh, you know, we've been solid all around. I um, thought, you know, Benner was good again, and um, I thought we defended well. And at the same time, we're doing some good stuff in the offensive zone and finding some goals. Blues coach Craig Bruby, whose team has won four in a row, they take on the Capitals tonight, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN, The game over at Enterprise Center. CD, two weeks ago tonight, the Blues played the Islanders and lost 5 2. In the lineup for that game two weeks ago tonight, Logan Brown, Robert Bortuzzo, who's hurt now. uh, They also had in the lineup Jake Neighbors, who has since been sent down, and they just gotten Pavel Butchnevich back. And Thomas Grice started between the pipes in that 5 2 loss. Bennington also, uh, no, Bennington didn't play. Thomas Grice was the goaler in that game. I, uh, I'm i sorry, Binner was the goaler in that game. But they, they lost 5-2. to two. I'm not going to simplify it so much to say that Brown not being available and neighbors being sent down and replacing them with Brandon Saad and um, Alexei Torep, not Torepchenko. Uh, the Alexandrov. Yeah, like Alexandrov. Yeah. I don't think it's that simple. But I think getting the Blues guys back and healthy specifically – Sod and getting Butchnevich going I think that's gone a long way towards the Blues winning four in a row here.
7: Well and, and they're playing as a team. They're playing better. We talked about the play by Kyru, uh in the game versus the Avalanche mm-hmm. where he held the puck in the zone and, and, and allowed his teammates to get a line shift and those are the minor details. Those are the minute details that when you're doing that those are winning plays and, and you're starting to see more of those winning plays. Callie Rosen has been playing extremely well. Um, you know you got you got but Bucinavich back in the fold. You got those guys. And Sad is, is playing well. Shen is playing well. Everyone is starting to play well. It seems as though Ryan O'Reilly is starting to take some of that pressure is not on him as much to feel like it's all on him to do uh, <clears throat> everything and be successful. So everyone is playing better. But the one thing, I, I don't know if you all paid attention or you heard it, but when, when Baruby was talking, it sounded like it's a lot. Like, like when you're winning, you sound so much better. You mm-hmm. feel so much better. If we played a clip from him during that eight-game losing streak, let's say around game six or seven to the, that clip we just played now, you can hear the difference in his yep. voice and just how much lighter it is because guys are actually doing the things that you're coaching them to do and they're having success with it. It, 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 it felt like early that this was a team so hell-bent on I got to do this, I got to do... Everyone was trying to do too much as opposed to just do what you're supposed to do and we will win games. And I think that's what you're seeing right now. And Kerry, I believe that these are the real blues and here's why.
5: We have a, a long track record of seeing Ryan O'Reilly play really well. And we saw an eight-game stretch for the most part, where he didn't. He's found his confidence again, especially in the four-game winning streak. He's played really well. He played in the last game, played pretty well in the last game before the winning streak started, too. And he kind of is your engine. He's wearing the C for a reason. And if O'Reilly is playing well... He seems to drag people into the fight and others seem to play well with him. Yeah. And it's his confidence I think that has led the Blues to raising their game.
7: I think he was just putting too much pressure on himself to to do everything, especially during that eight-game losing streak. You just you you could feel him pressing because he wasn't playing well, he wasn't scoring, he wasn't getting assists. Well, none of them were. Nobody was. Mm-hmm. Nobody was doing a great job. But as if if you are the captain and you have that C on your sweater, sometimes you feel like you need to do more. And I think that that was his issue. He was just pressing too much at that point. Even in his post postgame you know, conference, uh, messages, he was saying, I have to do more. I need to be better. I, I, I. And when you do that, subconsciously, you're making it harder on yourself. And, and you're really letting your teammates off of the mm-hmm. hook because they needed to play better as well. And now you're seeing a full team playing better. And you're seeing games being won because of it.
5: And we have to be realistic with Washington in town tonight. And Washington is a struggling, desperate hockey club. That's really good. They're, They're very talented. They were here yesterday. They watched the Blues play on TV while they were getting rested and the Blues were playing in Chicago. I will not be at all surprised if the Blues look lackluster after the emotional trip, the moms were on the trip, and then playing last night when Washington wasn't. Don't be surprised if the Blues... Don't accept it, but don't be surprised if the Blues turn in a lackluster-looking effort tonight. It won't be for lack of effort. It'll be because they're gassed.
7: Well, I, I hope not. I hope they have, you know, that short trip from Chicago to St. Louis didn't tire them out too bad, and they can they can get out here and perform well tonight. And, and because, you know... They need to. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously, you don't think, I don't know when this win streak is going to end. We didn't know when the losing streak was going to end. We just knew at some point it would. Um, But I, I hope that they can put on a good performance tonight for the home fans in their retro jerseys. It'll be a good game for them. Yellow sweaters tonight. John
5: Kelly to join us to talk more blues hockey next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN,
4: presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
5: I'm Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line where the voice of the Blues on Valley Sports Midwest, John Kelly, joins us as he does on Thursday mornings. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm great, Randy. How are you guys today? Everything's great because the Blues are on a four-game winning streak, and we see it, and sometimes when the teams are losing, we don't like it, but it's amazing how in sports things can turn on a dime as quickly as they do.
10: Yeah, and I think this, obviously, season is probably the prime example of that, right, Randy? They won their first three games of the year, and the third game, they shut out Edmonton, holding the Oilers to 22 shots, and then they follow that up with an eight-game losing streak, which was a club record, and, um, you know, really had some some bad games in that stretch, and, you know, they actually played some good periods during the eight-game losing streak, and you know, probably could have won a game or two, um, but now they found their team game, and, you know, played really well last night in Chicago, on the mom's trip, as we know, and it's it's obviously a lot more enjoyable to do this interview on Thursdays when they win four in a row as opposed to losing eight in a row, guys. I'll tell you that.
7: Hey, John, I want to talk about Callie Rosen. What have you seen from him uh, this season? He's got two goals on the season. He's only had three goals in his prior uh, four, four or five seasons prior to this year. What have you seen from him, and, and what do you think of his play so far?
10: Well, you know, Kerry, I think that the biggest thing to me is when I see um, an aggressive Callie Rosen – then I see a better hockey player. And, you know, I, I think I can't imagine how tough it would be for a player like that that isn't guaranteed a spot in the lineup every night. And, you know, he's, he plays some games and is out for some games and things like that, and that's been the case this year. Um, but I think in particular in the last three or four games, he's really been on his toes and has been, you know, gap control has been good. He's been jumping up and playing things like that. So I think when – Rosen plays an aggressive game. I don't mean physically, because he's not that kind of player. But when he's aggressive with his skating and and his reads and things like that, I just think he's a better player. And
5: it seems to me, John, that he's got some of that Carl Gunnarsson Swedish steadiness in him.
10: You know what, Randy? It's ironic you say that, because I mentioned that the other day to somebody that he sort of reminds me a little bit of Gunnarsson, is that he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he really competes hard, when he's on the ice, and in particular, when he's on the puck. And that's what Gunnarsson did. I think Gunnarsson was a very underrated player on the Blue Stanley Cup team. So, you know, maybe we say that because he's Swedish like Gunnarsson. I don't know. Um, But I I, I do see some similarities, though, in, in the way, again, his intensity level really amps up when he's, you know, in a battle or, you know, trying to get a loose puck and things like that. So, yeah, I I do see some comparisons as well.
5: Hey, John, one thing that I mentioned in the last segment is that, and we talked to Panger the other day about how a really good player can lose confidence, and Ryan O'Reilly did not have a good stretch during the better part of that eight-game losing streak. He played well in the the last game, but it's amazing when Ryan O'Reilly is playing his game, what a difference it makes for the other 17 skaters on this team.
10: Yeah, he, you know he's the leader, Randy. Obviously, he wears the on his on his u- uniform for a reason. that it's it's really a little bit, you know, you, you wonder how a guy like O'Reilly can use, lose his confidence. But I think he did. And you know, he, he's playing so much better now. Um, a guy that's won a Consmith Trophy and a Stanley Cup, and you know, has been a leader here for a number of years. But he did lose his confidence, and you could tell it in his game. He wasn't. He, he wasn't confident, and he admitted that he had to be better. So, um, for whatever reason, it didn't work early on with Kairo. Maybe it will again, if they go back to that. But I think Josh Levo has come in, and he's been a steady presence on the right side, and, and Sod of course, missed those six games, and he's come back, and the Blues have, I think, lost only two games since he came back in the lineup. So, it, it seems to be a very predictable line, and just off the top of my head, I think Ryan O'Reilly – needs predictable um, steady safe players and that's what Levo appears to be and that's certainly what Sod is so it's been a probably a better mix from Ryan O'Reilly in the last four or five games and uh, hopefully it'll continue here
7: that was going to be my next question how important is Sod? I mean they lost six of those eight games that he was out but but how important is he back to this Blues team to help them uh, create offense and do things that they need to do
10: yeah, I mean, he's he's very important. And I, I think that we have to keep in mind, you know, in regards to Ryan O'Reilly is uh, last year he had Saad on his left for a good part of the year. And really, David Prawn was there every single night. So when Saad got hurt, then he's without both his wingers from last year. So that's a big adjustment, right? So, you know, Saad is, he's just a steady player. You come to watch him play, and if he doesn't score a goal, you might not really notice him unless you're you really have your eyes trained on him but he's a smart player obviously he's a good four checker and dependable the guys won two stanley cup championships so i really enjoyed by the way having his mom in our in our booth last night she was really upbeat and so uh, grateful that the blues had the moms on the trip and it was really nice to meet her but He's just a solid hockey player, what can I say?
5: Yeah, that was great, by the way, uh, in both of the games when you would have the moms, uh, you, you had uh, Schenner's mom up there, and uh, it, it was—it must have been the, the whole trip, whether you were on the air or not, during a game or not, it must have been really cool to be, see the players bond with their moms like that.
10: Yeah, you know, Randy, the Blues have done dad trips in the past, as you know, and they had never done a mom's trip until this year. And I've always gotten along great with the dads when – when they've come along. Um, but I think, in a in a way, the moms appreciated the trip more than the dads. Now, the dads always loved it, don't get me wrong, but every single mom that I talked to was just completely so thankful of what the Blues did and they just had such a... They had a great time with their boys. And, you know, in the meetings, on the planes, and at the games, obviously, you know, they were high-fiving the players last night as they came off the ice and, you know, singing outside the locker room after the win in Denver on Monday. So... It was a lot of fun, and obviously it was a great new perspective for the moms to get behind the scenes with their sons in an NHL team.
5: Hey, John, one more thing, and we always like to look at stats to determine who the best and who the most important players are, but stats can lie at times, and I want to see if you agree with me that – Jordan Binnington, who's sitting there with uh, 2.98 goals against and a 9.05 save percentage, you look at those numbers and you say, not very impressive. I don't think the numbers are at all reflective of how Jordan Binnington has played. What do you think?
10: Well, I agree, and I've told people this, that you know when the Blues were losing games and, and people said, what's wrong with the team? I said, quite honestly, the goaltending has been good. And even Thomas Grice has been good. He let in a couple of goals maybe in Nashville that he'd like to have back. You know, Bennington had the one outing against Montreal, I believe, where he allowed six goals, and one was an empty net goal. But uh, quite honestly, during that eight-game losing streak, I think the Blues allowed, on average, of five goals a game, and they were just not defending well at all. And Randy, how many backdoor tippings did the other team have? It was unbelievable. The Blues goal, yeah, it was really crazy. They've also had eight goals going off Blues defensemen this year, directly off, you know, a skate or a stick and things like that. So. I, I think in, in this case with Bennington, I think the, the numbers are very deceptive. I think he's had, quite honestly, the best start to a season that he's had since he became a blueback in, in early 2019. All right, one last thing,
5: because you are a guy who's seen a lot of hockey. You're a hockey historian. You've seen it from the time you were a little kid. And I asked Panger this a couple of weeks ago. I think we can make an argument, not that – that uh, Alex Ovechkin is the best goal scorer, but the best pure goal scorer ever, with the no, the era that he's playing in, the number of games that he's played. Obviously, Gretzky was the best goal scorer, but he wasn't a guy that was a sniper. Let's put it in the, in those terms. Is Could you? Can I make a fair argument that Alex Ovechkin is the best sniper in the history of the game?
10: Yes. Just flat out yes. And, yeah. and I say that for two reasons. You just watch him shoot the puck, and it's amazing and he's still scoring goals like he was at 25 years of age. And I would say the best three that I've seen, and obviously Gretzky has a record, but as you said, he wasn't a pure goal scorer. I think the best three that I've ever seen, obviously going would be number one, number two would be Brett Hall, and number three would be Mike Bossy, who, who <laughs> passed away last year. So those would be my three. And obviously Brett played in an era where goal scoring was a lot higher. And, you know, I'm not sure about the you know, the late 70s, early 80s. But I think goal scoring was really high as well then when Mike Bossie was in his prime. So I would put those um, three at the top of my list, Ovechkin, Brett Hall, and and Mike Bossie.
5: Agree with you 100%. J.K., always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much. We won't talk to you before next Thursday. So you and your family have a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, let's go Blues up until then.
10: All right, you guys as well. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You got it, John.
5: See you later. John Kelly the longtime TV voice of the blues on Bally Sports Midwest. Next up, we've got The Fight here on The Opening Drive.
1: You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to The Fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener.
1: And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Red
7: Welcome back to the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rockio, and it is time for the fight, Rock. We have a returner, returning fighter from yesterday, Ryan. He got he got Randy yesterday,
8: right? yeah, and he got him straight up. He beat, did. Him, beat him three yep. No, no tiebreaker, no nothing. Just straight up a three two win for Ryan. So it's a big round two now, as he maybe tries to go into the weekend. That's how oh, the schedule oh. would work out. He could go into the weekend as a Hall of Famer. Ryan, how you feeling about those that opportunity?
5: Oh, that sounds like a
9: good weekend
7: potentially. <laughs> All right, let's see if we can do it. You ready? Yes, sir. All right, Ryan. Sandy Alcantara was one of the three pitchers in the deal for Marcelo Zuna in December of 2017. Daniel Castano was another. Who is the third Cardinals pitcher in that deal? Was it Marco Gonzalez, Zach Gallon, or Rob Kaminsky?
10: Uh, I'm gonna go Zach Gallon.
8: Alright, there are now only two teams to never have a player win a Cy Young. The Rockies in that thin air out there is one of them, but which AL West team has never won a Cy Young award? Was it the Los Angeles Angels, the Texas Rangers, or the Seattle Mariners? Oh wow, um, what was the first one? The Los Angeles Angels, the Texas Rangers, or the Seattle Mariners?
9: Uh, I'm going to go Angels.
7: All
8: right, Ryan. Happy
7: birthday to two-time Super Bowl champ and our second favorite Illini fullback, Howard Griffith. Howard set, uh, still sits atop the NCAA record books with which single-game rushing record? Is it touchdowns, yards, or carries?
8: Um, Let's go with touchdowns. All right, and which wide receiver duo holds the NFL record for the most combined yards in a single season with over 3,150 yards? Is that Herman Moore and Brett Perriman, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, or Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt?
9: Hmm. It might be the Broncos.
10: Uh, I'm going to go with the Broncos.
8: All right, we'll double-check the score here. And we will bring in Carrie. How did you uh, how'd you feel about your, your performance today, Ryan?
10: We'll bring in
7: Randy. Kerry oh, is right here. Yes, no,
3: I'll bring in
7: Randy. <laughs>
8: you do feel you didn't
7: feel great yesterday, uh, Ryan, and, and you, you pulled out a victory. So maybe that that helps you uh for today's fight.
10: We'll see if we can get lucky twice.
7: See if we can get lucky twice. We'll see if we if you can get lucky twice. I think you, you you might be better off than you, you feel as you were yesterday. Uh, Randy, say hello to Ryan again. Ryan, good morning. How you doing? Good. How are you, Randy? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening again, and thanks for playing. All hey. right, Randy, you had some choice words for us and rock when you walked out of here. Oh, I just said it better be fun. Said it better be a good one. I, uh, I said, <laughs> hey, uh, I think I, I said it better be fun. <laughs> better be fun. Better be him. fun. Right. Better be fun. All right, Randy, here we go. It's okay. gonna be fun. Sandy Alcantara was one of the three pitchers in the deal for Marcelo Zuna in December of 2017. Mm-hmm. Daniel Castano was another one. Mm-hmm. Who is the third Cardinals pitcher in that deal?
5: That would have been not Magnus Sierra, who was an outfielder in that deal. He did not pitch. He did not pitch. I believe it was Zach Gallen who pitches now for the Arizona Diamondbacks.
8: There are now only two teams to have never had a player win a Cy Young award. The Rockies in the thin air can be blamed for one of them, Which AL West team has never won a Cy Young? American League
5: West team
8: has never won a Cy Young. Okay, so
5: um, the A's obviously have, the Mariners obviously have, the Astros obviously have. So that gets us to the Angels and uh, the Angels and Rangers. Um, Let's see, Angels and Rangers uh who am i leaving there's got to be uh an obvious choice here uh the rangers have had some pretty good guys huh this is interesting that the angels and rangers are the two um i'm trying to think of a guy who has won a Cy young for those teams and off the bat top of my head i can't think of one for you either It, it seems to me that the rangers have had one so i'll say the Angels have not. um, I wish I could think of who it was with the Rangers. And I know I will if you give me enough time, but I'll just say the Angels have not.
7: All right, Randy. Happy birthday to two-time Super Bowl champ and our second favorite Illini fullback, Howard Griffith. Mm -hmm. Howard still sits atop the NCAA record books with which
8: single game rushing record? Touchdowns in a game. Seven. Which wide receiver duo holds the NFL record for the most combined yards in a single season with over
5: 3,150 Okay So it was just a duo 3,150 Okay, so Calvin Johnson had 1,900 But did his other guy have 12 I'll do the lifeline here, sir
8: is it Herman Moore and Brett Perriman, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, or Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt?
5: I'm going to go because of the monster year that Manning had with Thomas and Sanders. I think I'm going to go with those guys. I don't think I, Isaac and Tory never got to 3100 between them. I think they might have had, what, 27 or something? Um, and then Moore and Perriman, Moore had a monster year, but I don't think Brett Perryman was a monster. I th- but Demarius and uh, Emmanuel, I think they both were well over a thousand. Uh, so I'm going to go with those two.
8: All right, we have a tie here on the fight, a tie two to two between Ryan and Randy. So let's get into it. We're going to read off our tiebreaker question. Ryan will give us our, or well, Randy will write down his answer first. Ryan will then give his answer verbally. Randy will then say what his answer is. And whoever is closest to the pin wins this fight. Ryan, do you understand the rules? Yes, sir. All right. A.J. McCarron, the new Battlehawks quarterback, has started four games in his NFL career. What was his record? Give Randy a chance to write this one down. Four games in his career. In those four games, what is his record? Randy has his guess. Ryan, what is your guess on A.J. McCarron's record? One and three. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so both Randy Carricker and Ryan guessed one in three. That is incorrect. He is two and two in his mm. career. So here's my other question for you, AJ McCarron-related. Which two? Wi- which team did both of those wins come with? Which team did he win both of those games for? Which NFL team did he win both of his starts for? Randy Character is writing down his answer. And... R- Ryan, what is your guess? I have no clue. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. All right. We have a winner of this fight. It went to a second tiebreaker question. No close to the pin. You had to hit this one right on the nose to win. And one of you certainly did. Ring that bell. Hello? You play to win the game.
9: You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports.
8: Get you a fall guy. Randy Character <laughs> wins the fight. He got the, the second tiebreaker question right on the nose. It was the Cincinnati Bengals. He went 2-1 with them in 2015, and then he lost a game with the Houston Texans a few years later. Let's go through the answers to the questions. Again, they both got two right. It was Sandy Alcantara, Daniel Castano, Zach Gallen, and then, as Randy said, Magneris Sierra was the fourth player in that Cardinals trade for Marcelo Zuna back in December 2017. The Texas Rangers are the AL West team that has never won a Cy Young. Bartolo Colon brought in a Cy Young for the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim back in 2005. Howard Griffith did, in fact, set an NCAA record. It has been tied a couple of times with eight rushing touchdowns touchdowns in one game. And the wide receiver duo that holds the record for the most combined yardage with over 3,150 is Herman Moore and Brett Perriman, the 1995 Lions. They combined for 3,174 yards. Number 2 on that list is is, in fact, Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt, 2,000. They combined for 3,106 yards. Torrey Holt had 1,600, Isaac Bruce had 1,400, and I believe third on the list was Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. So a 2-2 tie took us to our tiebreaker questions. Adrian McCarron, 2-2 in his NFL career, and he did get those two wins with the Cincinnati Bengals. Randy wins this one. Ryan, you got so close. You almost had that second round. Thank you so much for playing today.
5: Thank you, guys. Thank you, Ryan. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN.
7: Illinois is fullback you, just for those out there. Fullback you, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about Howard it. Howard Griffin. Uh, you you carried uh, it. Myself. I was going to skip me. but. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <Here>. <laughs> Robert Holcomb. Oh, yeah, yeah. Myself, Jam- uh, Jamil Cook. All Super Bowl champions, all former Illini, all that? fullbacks. For the Illini. So, if you're an NFL
5: team that knows what's good for you, you go get a
7: fullback from Illinois. It's a smart move. That simple.
5: Hey, last night was the unveiling of City Park, and St. Louis City SC2 had an opportunity to play there. Matt Seebeck from City SC is with us, and he'll join us next on 101 ESPN.
4: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
5: City Park in downtown St. Louis was unveiled to fans with a game last night, St. Louis City 2 and Bayer Leverkusen and uh, St. Louis City fell, but that was secondary to the stadium opening and matt seebeck who is the chief experience officer for st louis city sc joins us here in studio on 101 ESPN. matthew it's great to see you and
0: congratulations yeah thanks for having me wow what a night i'm still buzzing guys it's, uh, it really was. It was awesome what was your favorite part of it oh my god oh so much to touch on but honestly it's it's you know this has been a, a three-year build process lots of details and coordination but just like getting people into the building hearing them, seeing them smiling, wearing the colors, uh, just adding that heart and soul to the building. Like, just perfection. Awesome.
7: You say a three-year process. How nerve-wracking was yesterday? How, the night leading up to yesterday. How nerve-wracking was it uh, to know that it was the first one, and, and all of those people were going to be coming in? Were you were you overwhelmed at any
0: point just dealing with with the day of? I was telling my wife like on Monday there was a, there was a bit of a, a calming sense throughout the office just because at this point there's not a lot we can change. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll talk about the kit. The kit is what it was. Right. Uh, we can't move a lot of big things at the stadium at this point, so um, it was pretty calm up until game day, but obviously when people start coming in and, you know, we're dialing in little things here and there with either ticket readers or point of sale, like, you know, we've got to do what we got to do. So uh, it was definitely, you know, it was a stadium open, so a lot of of lessons learned and corrections to make, but we've got time to do that now.
5: Did you get all 52 of the uh, food outlets open? (laughs) We
0: did. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it really was. I think it was a good glimpse of what we're trying to create for next year, which is this immersive festival-like experience in the stadium. So you could smell the tacos cooking (laughs) and pizza and the music blaring. So it was a good time. What was the energy like in there? I mean, when
7: you when you were able to, I'm sure you had an opportunity to talk to fans and yeah. talk to people. What was the energy and what was
0: the overall feel from, people from just everyone? So there? happy, so happy, so thankful. Um, it was loud, really, really loud in there. And I think that's this this very visceral energy that soccer fans create in unison. Is you know the supporter section chanting and waving their flags. And I think for a lot of St. Louis sports fans, it's it's an experience they haven't really participated in before. So it was. Uh, I saw a lot of happy, smiling faces.
5: And this is Matt, a watershed moment. Obviously, getting fans into the stadium, but between now and next March, there's still a
0: lot of things that have to happen, right? Yeah, and that's why you know last night uh, had to happen for so many reasons. Not, I think St. Louis is ready for it. We were really kind of bursting at the seams, but uh, we had to do a live event um, in some capacity to be able to really pressure test a lot of these things, knowing that now we do have four months to make corrections before we open up for our first, you know, inaugural. Major League Soccer season next March.
7: That trial run is definitely beneficial. It's like practice. It's it like uh, it's like yeah. the players practicing. That's you right. all got to practice and see, you know, uh, what you all needed to do better, what went well, and and yeah. how you can improve on the things that
0: you did do well. That's right. Yeah, and I think you know, for us, a lot of things we were watching last night was like how people queue in line and line lengths and um, you know ticketing gates, and so it's 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 little details that hopefully were disguised by many last night, um, but you know, definitely the team was taking a lot of notes.
7: What are some of the most important things, as you said? T- like lines uh, food lines what are some of the most important things that you all look at and say you know what we can do that better we don't want people to stand in line for for X number of minutes how do you improve those things
0: yeah so we uh, I mean we, we've been very I think vocal and, and aggressive with our use of technology in the stadium um, so really I think three key areas that were a focus for my, for our team last night um, to look at one were just ticketing gates how people get in and out of metal detectors and you know we're a, we're a ticketless venue so everything's driven by the mobile app Really smooth gates on all four sides of the building. Wi-Fi is working. Wi-Fi Wi-Fi was, was, was fantastic last night. It was pumping. Um, but the ticketing gates were good. Um, the second one was we, had, we have three walkout markets. So these things are crazy. It's basically you walk in <clears throat> through turnstiles and through cameras and sensors in the shelves. You kind of take what you want and then you walk out. Mm-hmm. So there's no point of sale. There's no lines. There's, there's no staff. Those things were humming. People were getting in and out of there in about wow. a minute time. And the other thing was uh, mobile order ahead. So we were really pushing people to order Via the mobile app and pick up so all three of those were a focus last night and it was kind of fun to see it in action. Matt
5: you've been a soccer guy and you're a St. Louisan so in terms of what your expectations were not you weren't employed by the team when it was awarded right you yeah. were hired after it was awarded to St. Louis but on the day that St. Louis got the franchise how do how does what happened last night compare to what you thought
0: St. Louis had a chance to accomplish? I think, you know, what what's been such an amazing part of the journey is, you know, we've we've had a chance to build that foundation. Um, really, you know, reach into communities all across the region, uh, set up focus groups. You know, we had an extra year because of COVID. And so I, our team really used that effectively to, to t- just talk to fans um, we had an idea of what we wanted to do but like w- we don't know everything and so bringing fans into that fold at the table allowing them to put their fingerprints on it I think that's that was the feeling that we got as a team last night was we, we didn't do this alone we created this with 20 you know 21,000 other people so um, kind of that, that feeling of community I think is really important and by the way I,
5: I will note to you and you'll be proud of me the other day, <laughs> Matthew Rocchio sends both of us a text says, hey, what size shirt do you guys wear because City's coming out with their new jersey? And so I had to text back to him. I said, it's a kit, damn it. Yeah, there you go.
8: <laughs>
7: he got me on field and pitch earlier today yeah. the sports center update, too. There you go.
0: Love it. I love it, Randy. So they
7: did unveil the kit. What what went into that design and, and that idea, and what does
0: that bring to, to the St. Louis City team? So it was a two-year iterative process with Adidas, and um, it, it's amazing. The reaction from St. Louis and our fans, and even outside St. Louis has been so strong. You know, you release a jersey in any sport, yeah. it's a coin flip, mm-hmm. right? Like, people love it, they hate it, um, and the the reaction has been overwhelming. So um, you know, our, our kit, for those that have seen it, like, we're leaning, we're leaning into that city red, as we call it. Mm-hmm. So city red for us is the last possible shade of red before it tips the scale. Uh, so it, it definitely has some of those lighter lighter hues into it. Uh, we've got. Thank the, you, Carolyn. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but it, it, it really it it pops, and seeing yeah, that in does. the stadium last night is so recognizable, which we want. When you turn on the TV, we want we want you to, to, to recognize city. So we've got uh, the blue in it. We've got the shades of yellow. Uh, we've got the and all those colors, by the way, are, are based on the city of St. Louis flag, right. which yeah. is just so iconic.
7: That, was, that, that that tied in to me the St. Louis Blues the St. Louis Cardinals yeah. it feels like it's all tied into one that's right. and then the city of St. Louis so I thought that I, when I look at it it looks beautiful it looks like a, a, a an idea of someone that just really understood what was needed for this city team
5: I love it that's good Matthew thanks for stopping by congratulations and we're so excited and can't wait for four months from now the draft the college draft coming up and uh, it's, it's going to be awesome it's awesome now and it's going to be even more awesome thanks so, thank Randy, you very appreciate much. it Matt Sebeck he is the Chief Executive experience officer for St. Louis City SE. What a great start with the stadium last night. Coming up, Bob Costas telling us some stories about the spirits of St. Louis on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
5: I'm Randy Carricker, and recently I was telling Carrie and Matthew about the most recent and pro basketball team we had in St. Louis. It was the Spirits of St. Louis and they only lasted for a couple of years but even though they only lasted for two years, they're iconic and legendary, and people have such incredible memories of them. And one of the reasons that they're iconic and legendary is because Bob Costas started his professional career as the voice of the Spirits of St. Louis on KMOX. And so I texted Bob the other night, hey, and I said, hey, I'd love to have you come on and, and talk spirits and tell some spirits stories. And Bob is with us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Robert. How you doing?
2: Hey, Randy, and as I told you at the time, it was coincidental that you text me when you did because I was in the midst of being interviewed for a documentary about the history of the ABA, and they're going to give a whole long section of it. It's four or five parts, so they've got four or five hours uh, to let it spin out, and they're going to devote a considerable portion of it to the spirits because, as I've said before and others have noted, if there was one team— that captured much of what was glorious and much of what was absurd and ridiculous about the ABA. It was definitely the Spirits.
7: So when you talk about absurd, can you just get into some of the stories? I watched the, the, the 30 for 30 Free Spirits, free spirits yeah. last night, and, and Marvin Barnes was one of the main, main cogs on there. Can you just talk about some of the outlandish stories that happened with that team?
2: Well, they were outlandish, but they were also true. And there are some that I cannot tell you that are also true. Uh, But Marvin was the signature player on the team. I have no doubt that if Marvin had uh, played to his full potential over a long ABA slash NBA career, if he hadn't been so sadly self-destructive, there is no doubt in my mind that in 1997, when they named the 50 greatest players in nba history on the occasion of the league's 50th anniversary that he would have been among them and then he would have been among the top seventy five which they just honored this past year he was that good there were times when he was on the floor with moses malone or julius Irving, and he was the best player in that game the best player on the floor that night that's how good he was but he came with other aspects personality was hard to dislike him because he was so funny and he wasn't malicious in any way uh... this story has been told so many times and especially around St. Louis, that I would guess that one in every three St. Louisans could get on randomly with you and tell the story verbatim the way I'm about to tell it, but I was there. So we play the Kentucky Colonels, who were a very good team. They won the second-to-last uh, ABA championship. They had Artis Gilmore at center, Dan Issel, uh, both Hall of Famers, Louis Dampier, who had the most three-point shots in the history uh, of the ABA. Very strong team, and they were coached by Hubie Brown. So we go to Louisville, which, as you know, is drivable from St. Louis, but it happens to be in the Eastern time zone. And teams didn't travel by charter then. They traveled commercially. So we lose the game at Freedom Hall, and the next morning we gather at the airport, and the traveling secretary hands out the itinerary. And it says, TWA Flight 305, depart Louisville, 8 a.m. arrive St. Louis, 7.56. And Marvin has the itinerary in his hand. And he could have looked over to Goo Kennedy, or he could have looked to Fly Williams, which would have been a bad idea. Uh, But instead, he beckons me over, and he drapes an arm over my shoulder, and he looks down at me from more than a foot above me. And he says, bro, bro, do you see this, bro? And I said, yes. And he said, well, I don't know about you. But as for me, I am not getting on any time machine. (laughs) Now... The thing about that is that some people, when they first heard it, thought, well, Marvin must be dense. No, he was actually smart, and he knew it was funny, and he knew that I would get it, and maybe some of these other guys wouldn't. <laughs> that's classic.
7: Can that's you give me a, a, a comparison of who his game was like in, in, in the NBA that, that you could compare him to?
2: Boy, that's a good question, and I should have thought of that over the years. You know, guys did not bulk up as much then. Um, he was he was a lean maybe 210, 215, 220 max um, at 6'9". At uh, he had quickness. He had a crossover. He had uh, a stop and, and elevate quickly move. He could go left or right. His lateral movement was tremendous. He had an inside game and an outside game. Uh, so whoever m- matches that description then or now, that's who you would compare him to. But Kevin I think Durant maybe, Bob? I'm sorry, who? Kevin Durant. That's a a reasonable comparison. I mean, Kevin is seven feet tall. um, And, of course, the three-pointer is emphasized more now. Uh, So that kind of range for a man that size was unheard of then. Uh, And even Marvin didn't take many three-pointers. I don't remember him taking uh, more than a handful. Steve Jones, the snapper, and Freddie Lewis would take three-pointers for us. But, you know, I was interviewing Doc Rivers the other day for other reasons, and one of the topics that came up was the reliance now on the three-point shot, when he was a rookie in the NBA, the average number of threes taken in a game by a team was like four. Now the lowest in the league averages in the high 20s, and Golden State is averaging 41 three-point attempts per game. And back in the ABA days, I remember that you were told if somebody shot 30% from three, they were considered to be a good three-point shooter. Uh, eventually it evolved to where guys like Steve Kerr and J.J. Redick and Ray Allen, um, Dale Ellis, Reggie Miller, were shooting a much higher percentage than that because it wasn't something you took only in special circumstances. It became something you took in the natural flow of the game.
5: Bob, you mentioned that at that time in the seventies, teams didn't didn't charter, but one time Marvin did. Right? Oh
2: yes. <laughs> good, good segue into another good story. So we play in New York, which actually was on Long Island. Then the uh, Dr. J and the Nets played in the Nassau Coliseum on Long Island. And the next morning, Marvin is nowhere to be found for a seven or seven thirty a.m. flight to Virginia, but that did not shock us, because he often was nowhere to be found. And there was still plenty of time before tip-off at 7.30 or whatever. But apparently he missed all the subsequent flights. (laughs) Heaven knows what was occupying his time and attentions. Uh, We could speculate, but heaven knows. So in any case, it finally dawns on him, if I'm going to get there in time for the game, I'm going to have to charter my own plane, which he did. Now, I'll tell you how prehistoric this is. Guys had their duffel bags with their uniforms in the bag. So maybe there was a clean uniform waiting in Virginia, but he had last night's uniform. So as the plane is descending into Virginia, he changes into his uniform. So he's got his uniform on beneath his kind of superfly coat that he was wearing at that time. And he, he, the, the guy lands the plane... And apparently he he had his car nearby or had a car service or something because the guy accompanies the pilot I'm talking about, the pilot accompanies Marvin to the game. So now it's maybe 10 minutes before tip-off, and the door of the visitor's locker room at the Hampton Roads Coliseum flies open and there's Marvin standing there. Now, I was already courtside ready to broadcast the game, so I'm getting this from the other players, but uh, it's been verified by more than one. (laughs) He parts the coat to reveal his uniform beneath, like Clark Kent opening up his suit to show that he's Superman. He parts the coat, and he goes, Boys, game time is on time. (laughs) (laughs) So the coach, Bob McKinnon, who was kind of a button-down guy, was not the least bit amused, So he benches Marvin for at least the first five, six minutes of the game, during which the pilot of the plane, having now figured out that Marvin may not be the most responsible person on the planet, he is now behind the bench demanding immediate payment. So Marvin sends the trainer back into the locker room. He reemerges with Marvin's checkbook. And during a timeout, Marvin is like, yeah, who do I make this out to, man? So we signed the check to the guy, right? But here's the kicker. He scored 41 and had 19 boards and didn't even play the whole game. Unbelievable. Um, hey, Bob, when, when you were
5: going through this, because it was your first job, did you appreciate the wackiness around you, or did you think, oh, this is just pro sports, this is the way it is? How were you taking all of this in?
2: You know, that's a great question because actually it was my second job. My first job was calling minor league hockey in Syracuse while I was still a senior at Syracuse University for the princely sum of 30 bucks a game and $5 a day meal money on the road. Now, why is this noteworthy? Because it's the old Eastern Hockey League, the actual league that the Paul Newman movie Slapshot is based on. And I knew a lot of guys who were extras in the movie. And in fact... The Johnstown Jets had a winger named Ned Dowd and his sister, Nancy Dowd, wrote the screenplay based on what she had observed about life in the low minor leagues. And if you've ever seen that movie, and I'm guessing you have, there's, uh, there's a, a guy in the movie called Goldie something or other, uh, but he's, he's modeled after Bill Harpo Goldthorpe, who played for the Syracuse Blazers and was the greatest and craziest enforcer in the history of hockey. It was a bad game for him if he didn't get into at least two fights. And we had games stopped by riots where the police had to show up and all this kind of crazy stuff. So that was experience one. The spirits are experience two. Now, by the time the spirits are gone. They don't get into the ABA-NBA merger. I'm 24 years old, and I've been to the circus and back twice. <laughs> and I know it's nuts. I know it's nuts. Oh, and now, I just remembered the name of the guy in, in Slapchat. It's Ogie Oglethorpe, mm-hmm. but it's he's actually based on Bill Harpo Goldthorpe. Anyway, so by the time I'm 24 years old, I do have a sense... That these two experiences were crazy, but I have nothing else to compare it to. And now here we are, some fifty years down the road, or close to it. And yeah, there's been nothing to compare it to.
7: Hey Bob, can you talk about the uh, the ownership of Ozzie and Daniel Silner when they were yes. uh, trying to get into the merger in the NBA and and how they all, how that all unfolded and and how they ended up making out pretty well for themselves despite not being being uh, owners of an NBA team.
2: They sure did, and I was just with Dan Silna uh, the night before last because we were both being interviewed for this upcoming ABA documentary. His older brother, Ozzie, has since passed away, and Danny still insists and did so on camera that they would trade whatever riches they experienced out of the deal that I'll explain in a minute if they just could have gotten into the NBA. They loved basketball. They were knowledgeable basketball fans uh, who then bought the team, which had been the Carolina Cougars, and then moved to St. Louis uh... they acquired a lot of talent did seldom coalesced into a winning team but we did have a lot of talent on the team and they really wanted to get into the nba uh... but the nba only wanted to take four teams and the viable teams in terms of attendance as the a b a limped to the finish line were indiana san antonio denver and the nets because of dr j but as soon as the merger happened their owner roy bow was so deep in debt He had to sell Dr. J to the 76ers, which actually helped the league because the 76ers were a strong team, and it allowed them to showcase Dr. J. So there was no way the spirits were going to get in. The other teams reached various settlements because the NBA didn't want an antitrust suit. So there were various ways that the other teams were satisfied. But the spirits were smarter. They said, wait a second. If we were in the NBA we'd be entitled to a cut of the national television revenue, wouldn't we? Yes. Well, there were seven ABA teams at the end. The last season began with ten, and three of them folded before the season was over. So when it ended, there were only seven. And three didn't get in. The Spirits were one of them. So they said, wait a second. What if we got one-seventh of the national television revenue that would come to these other four teams? Would that be fair? And the NBA guy said, yeah we guess so, because at that point, each team was getting, I don't know, maybe a million dollars a year, if that, out of national television revenue. But then the spirit's attorney asked for another clause, and they accepted that too. And that clause was in perpetuity, (laughs) After, after which the NBA on CBS with Bird and Magic in the 80s Then the NBA on NBC with Michael Jordan and the Constellation of Stars all around the league. The Dream Team in 92 in Barcelona. Wait a minute, David Stern's taking the game global. It's all over the world. Who knows if someday there might be NBA games televised on Pluto in (laughs) perpetuity, okay? So these guys bought the team for maybe $3 million. Danny Sullivan was saying the other night it might have been only a million. I don't know. I've heard $3 million. Let's say it's three. By the time the NBA finally waved a white flag of surrender and said, look, how do we end this thing? And they bought them out. They had collected about a billion dollars. (laughs) Wow. No overhead, no player salaries. No no travel costs, no office costs. Just walk to the mailbox and pick up the check.
5: <laughs> Not too bad. <laughs> Bob Costas with us on 101 ESPN reminiscing about the Spirits of St. Louis. By the way, there, Bob, there's another ABA, and there's a team here in St. Louis called the St. Louis Spirits. I guess Spirits of St. Louis is protected. It's registered. But there is a St. Louis Spirits team playing in a new NBA, a minor league, here
2: in St. Louis. So is it a minor league of the NBA, like part no, of the G League or no, something it, like it's that? it's not
5: like the G League. It's not connected to the NBA at all. But it's like a 40-team league in, in markets throughout uh, the country. Wow. And uh, they, pl- they play at Harris-Stowe. And apparently the team
2: does pretty well. So... St. Louis has an ABA team, and it's going to have another XFL team. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> St. Lu- St. Louis is down for the craziness.
5: <laughs> we we love it. Hey, I want you to tell the story because you've told it publicly before. You were a young broadcaster who took flights for granted, and yes. you missed a flight,
2: right? Was that to another oh, Kentucky game? Yeah, yes, I did. No, it was Memphis. Okay. And it was a Friday afternoon. And I remember that game time in Memphis was 8 o'clock, later than games usually start now. Uh, but here was my situation. I didn't have any money. Uh, KMOX was paying me $11,000 a year to call the Spirits games and to do whatever Bob Hyland wanted me to do beyond that in the off season, And if I had $11,000, I would have paid them to be able to do the games. That's all I cared about. I was thrilled. But I didn't have anything in reserve. I didn't have any credit cards or anything. So now it's Friday. So now it's payday. So I go down to KMOX, because we're going to Memphis, then we're going to San Antonio and I think Utah before we come back. And I don't even have the concept of an expense account or anything in my head. I need some cash. So I, I go upstairs at KMOX to the sixth floor. I get the check, which after taxes was $157 and some, some change beyond that, $157. And then I walk across the street to Boatman's Bank, which was on the corner, and I cash the check. So now I'm, I'm really feeling flush. I got 157 bucks in my pocket, and I'm going to drive the Ford Pinto that I purchased at Dave Sinclair Ford, one of the great vehicles in the history of, uh, of American motor in- motor industry. And I'm driving to Lambert, and a thunderstorm hits, and everything's backed up. And I tend to cut things close, Randy, as you may remember. <laughs> you know, security wasn't what it became at airports, and you could kind of show up and get on the plane if you had a ticket. Uh, but I didn't make it. Okay, so now the next flight isn't until 5 o'clock. And like an idiot, instead of just staying at Lambert, I circle back to KMOX, and I'm sitting in the sports office. And Jack Buck walks in and goes, isn't there a game tonight, kid? And I said, well, yeah, yeah, but I'll, I'll get there. I got a 5 o'clock flight. I'll be there in plenty of time. It's just a 45-minute flight. He goes... What if the flight is late? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, it, it, won't, it won't be late. Oh, but it was. So <laughs> I, I drive back to Lambert, and another thunderstorm hits, and the plane is, in fact, delayed. So now I'm on the plane, right? It's descending into Memphis, and I'm looking at my watch. It's like 730. It's 740. We get on the ground, and I bolt for a cab. And I'm, I'm sweating, and I'm thinking, my gosh, I'll be back in Syracuse tomorrow. <laughs> I've screwed up the greatest opportunity anybody could ever have. And so I get to the arena, and the game is underway. And I rush to the, to the courtside seat where I'd call the game, and Harry Weltman, who was the president of the team, is sitting there, and he's fuming. If it was a cartoon, there'd be steam coming out of his ears. And back at KMOX, the late, great Bill Wilkerson has been on the air claiming that we have technical difficulties. <laughs> there are technical difficulties in Memphis, and as soon as we straighten them out, uh, we'll have the spirits versus the Memphis sounds. And when he told me about it later, he said there are technical difficulties. I said, well, that wasn't really true. He goes, yes, it was, because technically you're an idiot. So, <laughs> so now I call the game, right? And, and there's a certain feeling... First of dread and terror, but then of defiance. This is going to be the greatest broadcast ever, and they'll realize it's a terrible mistake, even though I screwed up and I was late for the game. They, they never should have fired me, even though I know they will. Okay. So now the game is over, and we go back to the hotel, and there's a group of players gathered uh, in the lobby uh, for a post-game snack or something, and they beckon me over, and I sit down, and I tell them my tale of woe. And Gus Gerard says, well, what will they do? Fine you? I go, this isn't like, no, they don't fine a broadcaster. They, they might suspend him. They might fire him. I like don't it's not, not, not like being fined for being late to practice. And then Marvin Barnes naturally says, bro, don't worry. I'm going to say it just like he said it. If they fire your sorry little ass... I've been looking for a little white dude to drive my Rolls Royce. So you, so you have a fallback position. Because I'll get you a little suit with one of those hats. So. So now the team the team flies on to San Antonio, but Bob Highland has sent word that I must immediately fly back to St. Louis on the first flight in the morning and meet him at his office. And it was a Saturday morning, but even on Saturdays, as you may remember, Randy, yep. Mr. Highland showed up in the wee hours of the morning on Saturdays. He uh, took it easy. He left at noon. And he wore a sweater. Uh, as, opposed, yeah. as
5: opposed to the suit, right?
2: Right. That's right. Saturday was a casual day for him. So I have to sheepishly walk into his office. And he liked me. He saw something in me, despite my immaturity and dopiness. And he actually said this. He said, you know, I should fire you. And there are people here who want me to fire you. But I won't, because you're a nice young man, and I think you have potential. But, but, again, I'm quoting verbatim. I don't know why he put it this way. He said, but if you ever... Do anything like this again. I will cut your ears off. <laughs> <laughs> what, he wants to turn me into Vincent Van Gogh? <laughs> 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 this is quite a threat. <laughs> so, now, so now I have to get on the plane to San Antonio. So I get on the plane to San Antonio. We play the Spurs. As I recollect, we lost. Okay, so now Maurice Lucas says, let's go to dinner. So Luke and a couple of other guys and me, we go to dinner, all right? And we're at this place, and this is the fall of 1974, okay? And we look at the, at the it was a seafood place, and we look at the menu, and there's actually an item on the menu, Zairean oysters. Now, Muhammad Ali had just defeated George Foreman in Zaire like a month before that. So I say, even though I don't like oysters— in honor of Muhammad Ali, I'm ordering the Zairean oysters. and Everybody thinks that's a great idea because I'm the one who has to eat them. Okay. So, so I have the Zairean oysters. The next day, on the flight to Salt Lake City, I have the worst case of food poisoning in oh. history. Okay? The one and only time I've ever reached for the barf bag on a, on a plane. And the players, again, think my plight is hysterical. First, I missed the flight to Memphis. I almost get fired. Now I got food poisoning. Plus, plus Lucas, as a gag, pretended to have gone to the men's room and left and stuck me with the check.
10: Oh,
2: no. (laughs) He had a six-figure contract. I was making 11 grand. (laughs) He paid me back subsequently. It was a practical joke.
5: (laughs) Yeah, that 157 went away in a hurry. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was I, I
2: was penniless by the time I got to Salt Lake City.
5: Hey, Bob, uh, because of the names that you've mentioned, if somehow the Silvers would have succeeded in getting that franchise into the NBA, how good do you think the Spirits could have been in the NBA in the following years? And I'm presuming that the Barnes probably would not have been a viable part of the team, but they had a lot of pretty good players in that last year.
2: Oh, they did. Uh, Freddie Lewis was one of the great guards in the history of the ABA. Ron Boone was a terrific player, mostly with Utah, but when the uh, Utah Stars folded in the middle of that last season, there was a dispersal draft, and we got Ron Boone and Moses Malone from Utah. So at various times, although after we got Malone, um, Lucas got traded to Kentucky for Caldwell Jones, who was an accomplished center. So at various times, we had Maurice Lucas, we had Marvin Barnes, who was the best of all of them. We had Moses Malone, we had Freddie Lewis, we had Don Chaney, who had been an important part of Celtics championship teams in the backcourt with Jojo White in the 70s, a defensive ace. We had him, and I'm probably forgetting some other players of consequence. The only thing was that they seldom were able to really come together as a team. They did at the end of the first season. Dr. J and the Nets had played the Spirits 11 times in that inaugural season for St. Louis and beat them all eleven and the luck of the draw was that the spirits who were the last playoff qualifier drew the nets in the first round of the playoffs lost a close first game in new york and then won the next four in a row marvin was great freddie lewis was great they just outplayed them won the next four in a row during that period of time they not only were talented they were playing smart team basketball and that was the only time when decent crowds showed up at the arena we would get ten eleven thousand For the couple of games there against the Nets and then the next round against Kentucky, we were holding our own. I say we. I was calling the game. I was nowhere near playing in the game. But the Spirits were holding their own until Freddie Lewis twisted his ankle in game four. They were on their way to tying the series 2-2, but they wound up losing the series to Kentucky, which went on to beat Indiana for the championship. So that's how good they were for about a month that one season, but they were never able to replicate that. There was, it was, a you know, it's often a case, the case in basketball, a, a great collection of talent, but it doesn't cohere as a team.
5: Bob Costas, so great to have you with us, and such great memories from your broadcasting career in the early portion of it. And I, I want to say this, uh, and I thought about this after I talked to you the other night, as a young broadcaster, I produced for Bob Costas, Sports Open Line at KMOX. And on a regular basis, Bob would validate me by, and I knew you knew the answer, but if I would put up on that board like Mike Pagliarulo started for the Yankees at third base, you'd say Randy Carricker had that fact. And when you said it to the listenership, people thought, oh, Randy Carricker must know what he's talking about. And you were always so good to me as a young broadcaster and so many other young broadcasters. And on behalf of all of us that have benefited from your largesse, we really do appreciate it and you.
2: Thank you, Randy. That's very nice of you to say. I appreciate it.
5: Have a great day. Thanks so much for being so generous with your time, and we'll talk soon. And by the way, you and the family have a happy Thanksgiving.
2: Same to you, Randy, and everybody out there listening. Thanks. Take care. Take care. <laughs> Bye. That
5: is the great Bob Costas with us on 101 ESPN.
7: Absolutely amazing. Isn't that phenomenal? Uh, just the stories, <laughs> just the storyteller. Uh, absolutely amazing to to even be a part of that. That was awesome. He's, he's great. Rock and roll coming your way next on 101 ESPN
4: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers
5: let's rock let's rock today all right rock what do you got for us
8: Listen, I'll, I'll be honest and honest when I think about this segment, I usually think, <clears throat> in what way can I shoehorn basketball or soccer talk that we wouldn't mm. usually have into a segment on the air? And that's what I take this time for. But instead, I'm going to I'm going to pivot. Actually, we're not going to talk about basketball. I'm sorry, Carrie, because there's actually a Cardinals hot stove topic that got me really diving into baseball reference yesterday. And I need your guys' thoughts on this as well. The. uh Blue Jays moved Teoscar Hernandez to the Seattle Mariners yesterday. By the way, little side note here as I'm talking about this, John Morosi right now is reporting that the Mariners are in conversations with the Milwaukee Brewers about Colton Wong. So Interesting. Just, just a little side thing that Morosi is reporting. But anyway, that opened up a spot in the Blue Jays outfield with that trade. Mm-hmm. Alejandro Kirk is a very good catcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, and a lot of people are now thinking that could be a trade prospect for the Cardinals. So now, with the open spot in the outfield, people are saying who would be the most, who would make the most sense. And immediately, everyone jumped to saying Lars Newbar to the Blue Jays in a trade like that seems to be the perfect fit. This led me to my big question: You have two former young stars who are supposed to develop into all stars for you, including a guy who already is an all-star and an MVP candidate last year or two years ago in Tyler O'Neill, but they are underperforming right now. You have Lars Newtbar, who had, obviously in just his second year in the majors, his best season, had a OPS-plus well over 100, and is, not, and is not free agency eligible until 2028. Do you agree with the idea of trading the hot prospect in Lars because of his overall value being lower, or do you think the Cardinals should finally cut bait with maybe one of O'Neill and Carlson instead? What did DeMarco say? You got to do what to the hot guy? You gotta, I'm willing to ride
7: the hot guy. Oh, that's yeah. what he said. All right. <laughs> okay,
5: let, let's start with this. The reason that Teoscar Hernandez was traded is because the Blue Jays want a left-handed hitting outfielder. So that would kind of preclude Tyler O'Neal from being the guy if they wanted. And I know Teoscar Hernandez is a free agent after this year. There's two years of control left for Tyler O'Neill but I would be somewhat surprised if the Blue Jays would part with Teoscar Hernandez and then add Tyler O'Neal.
8: And here's the thing. I don't want to say, I'm not necessarily saying a different outfielder in a trade to the Blue Jays. I'm saying overall moving an outfielder for potentially the catcher position. And this just being one situation that has popped up, like you said, a lefty and Newt Bar, a little bit more enticing for the Blue Jays with what they want right now. I'm talking just overall, just the idea of having Newt Bar as the trade piece because the other two guys you still have that thought process of what they were supposed to be a year ago or two years ago.
5: I don't know what the rest of baseball thinks about Newt Barr, who, by the way, has been an above-average hitter in each of his first two years. Uh, A guy who hit 14 homers, drove in 40, had a 788 OPS. He was a nice player for the Cardinals in 108 games. I don't know if he's a guy that if you add 30 more games and he plays 138, 140 I don't know that he would be tremendously productive. He he didn't profile as that for the Cardinals when they brought him up. He might wind up being that guy. I guess if if I could get an all-star catcher and include Newt Barr in the trade,
7: and Alejandro Kirk was an all-star catcher last year, yeah, I think I would do that. See, I don't think you're going to get um, an all-star catcher solely for Newt. I think if teams are looking at our our roster— I think Brendan Donovan is going to be high on their list of who they would want because – you, you, don't, you don't really know what Newt is just yet. I mean, you, you have a feeling of what he can be. We saw some some glimpses down the stretch of what he should be. We know what Tyler O'Neill is, is if he's healthy. But those two commodities are not something that you can st- put a stamp of approval on and say, yes, they'll come in and be an everyday player and do X, Y, and Z right away. I think if you're an opposing team and you're looking at this Cardinals roster, I think you start with Brendan Donovan as that's the guy you want um, because – he does so many things. He's a utility player. He can start at, at shortstop or second base. And you know what you have in, in a gold glove player, a, a guy that is third in the uh, uh, rookie of the year voting. That's who you will be going after. If I'm an opposing team, that's where I start every conversation with.
5: And there's the key, rookie of the year, because he's got five years of control left. Now, Tyler O'Neill is spending the offseason here in St. Louis doing yoga. So he's going to be all stretched out. He's never going to pull there another muscle again. So it's kind of scary to move on from a guy that did hit 34 home runs when he was healthy a year ago, right? right? But he's been injured most of his career. So it's a gamble to keep him. You have two years left of control with him. Uh, you mentioned Donovan. I think teams are also going to be really interested in Nolan Gorman because he can play third. He's going to be a 30 home run guy. Mm-hmm. He was a top 100 prospect. I believe that's another guy that other teams will have a pretty substantial interest in. If I were another team Based upon the the power potential of Gorman, I think I'd ra- I'd rather pursue Gorman than Newt Bar too. And Gorman, yeah. by the way, can play third
7: for you. Would you Would you see him more as a third baseman or or as a at a middle in, second baseman? Middle I don't infield? think he's a middle infield guy. I think Be- Gorman is a third baseman okay.
5: or a DH right now. And if you're the Cardinals. You, you try him as a corner outfielder in the spring. You don't obviously trade a quality catcher for a guy that you say, oh, well, yeah, we'll just plug him in in left field. It doesn't work that way. But if, if you're the athletics, for example, and you move on from Sean Murphy, Nolan Gorman would be your opening day third baseman next year.
8: And one of the reasons why this has been getting to me is exactly the text lines backing me up here. Just different text. No, don't trade Newt Barr. Please don't trade Newt Bar. Trade Carlson. If we trade Newt, we riot. Uh, Newt has an it factor that Carlson doesn't. Uh, cut bait with O'Neal. It's interesting the way that the fans have it. Because I'm just trying to look at it from a completely just value prospect. And how mm-hmm. much have O'Neal and Carlson lost value? And how much are you gonna then just saying... You know, we're losing this stock, essentially, by trading them now, as opposed to a guy like Newt, who you didn't expect to be as good and now has value around the entire league. My other big question here with the catcher spot, and this is more general thing. And
5: by the way, Newt Barr is older than Carlson, and I believe
8: if you look he's at... The, he's, a, yeah, he's a year and a half younger than O'Neill, I think.
5: Um, if, if you look at the production of Dylan Carlson at his age, the only two major leaguers, major league outfielders... At that rough age, that have produced more than him. Actually, there's only one, and that's Juan Soto. But Harper? No, Harper's way older than Dylan Carlson. Harper's like twenty six, twenty. I mean, I
8: mean, relative to when he was. Oh no, I'm just talking about okay, right, okay, now, okay, okay, okay. right
5: now. Right uh, now. and obviously Julio Rodriguez, you anticipate, is going to be a guy that by his twenty-third, twenty-fourth birthday is going to produce more. But If you're looking for another outfielder of a similar age to Dylan Carlson with better production, you you've got a list of one. Yeah, well, it sounds like it sounds like you want to trade Tyler O'Neill then, Randy. So, I I I need to find out what Jordan Walker is too. Well, here and 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 that's and that's why the outfield here is the the topic of discussion. Gorman would be if I were the Cardinals and I were going to make a pitch for Sean Murphy, I would. I would start with Gorman and Libertor.
7: So here, here's my my thing. I think when we, and I say we, Cardinals fans, look at trade options, we tend to think we can just trade away something that nobody wants and get something wonderful in return. Like Sandy Alcantara. <laughs> Who would want him? <laughs> That's not how that works. We generally have to give up something good in order to get something good in return. And therefore, if you have... Known unknown commodities as, as you don't know what Nude is going to be. You don't know if Tyler O'Neill is going to be healthy. You don't know if Dylan Carlson is going to be what you, everyone thinks he can be. Those are pieces that, if I'm an opposing team, I look at them in the same light. I don't know yeah. who they are. I don't know what they are. I know what this person is, and, and that person is Brendan Donovan. I know what he right. is. I don't know what Nolan Gorman is or what he can be. I don't know if he can play second base or if he has to play a, a, a corner a infield position. I don't know. So when you are an opposing team, you're looking at guys and saying, I know what he can be. I know what he is. He's shown it. And that's the person that I want. That's the person that I want and am willing to give something up that that I feel is great in return for.
5: And you have to trust your evaluation process, right? That's how the Marlins wound up with Alcantara, how the Rays wound up with uh, Randy Rosarena. And also, by the way, on the other end of the spectrum, How Colorado wound up with the five guys they got for Arenado and the Diamondbacks wound up with the three guys they got for Paul
3: Goldschmidt. Yeah.
8: I have one more thing here because we got a text that says I'm struggling to understand how a trade for a catcher benefits the Cardinals when there's a very good one in free agency. You're not wrong here. And overall, the reason why the catcher thing is so big to me because in baseball, I believe in positional edges. If you can get a shortstop who can hit, if you can get a catcher who's both good defensively and can hit, it gives you an edge in a different way. I'm not saying outfielders are a dime a dozen. I'm saying there's just more available who can slot into your lineup consistently than there are all-around catchers. You get a catcher who can both handle the defensive expectations that this team has and be something better than a seven or eight, eight, eight hitter in your lineup that changes the just the what you're able to do with your lineup construction. That's why a trade for an outfielder for a better catcher has become such a big thing for me because it gives you an edge positionally that's a lot of other teams in the MLB don't have necessarily.
5: And I don't believe this would happen I've said this I'm on record as saying this but the cardinal payroll situation is a puzzle if you go get sean murphy who's projected to make three and a half million dollars for 2023 and you don't spend 20 million dollars on contreras that gives you 16 million dollars to spend elsewhere and if you're willing to move money around maybe that gets you into the trade turner sweepstakes if that market comes back to you a little bit you might be able to pull something like that off if you spend $20 $20 million for four years, $80 million total on Contreras. That takes you out of a lot of other things that you could potentially do this offseason. Thank well, I got, you, That's I got for you, Randy. Thank that's, you for,
8: thank right. for, for indulging me and letting you me dive it. into my outfield uh Catch your conspiracy theory yeah
7: i thought we were going to talk about ben simmons and his woes for the brooklyn nets it's, we make, do that it, next? it's <laughs> making me
8: it's making me legitimately sad i didn't want to talk about it. like legitimately what talking, it's, it's, it's depressing that what is that's well, that's next, <laughs> with what's on tap on 101 espn
4: you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn presented by dobbs tire and auto centers
8: at City Park. Call him Hudson Adoy.
5: That's Adoyable. <laughs> See what you did there.
8: That was well done, Randy. That was well done. Yeah, very well.
7: CD, you wanted to talk about Ben Simmons. Well, uh, there was a report that came out the other day that the Nets uh, management has grown, I guess, frustrated with Ben's inability to just play basketball. I mean, I, he he doesn't shoot. He doesn't score. He doesn't seem to be doing anything well for them, and, and they are frustrated with just his ability to to do anything on the court that is productive. And it, it is interesting to me because when they traded for him, he had not done anything well for the 76ers on the basketball court, had shut it down for pretty much the entire season, said he was not unable to play. When playoff time came around mysteriously, he had a back injury. There was reports that there was on a group thread. They were asking if he was going to play, and he deleted himself from the group thread. This is a young man that, that has all the talent in the world. He is averaging 5.6 points a game. Excuse me, 5.8 points a game in 10 games, 26 minutes and this is a guy that that most people said could be the next LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Had the had the potential coming out of college, uh high school and then going to college for a year to be the next LeBron James and this young man is scared to shoot a basketball. He is he is fear-stricken. By what, what did Chuck Knobloch have the, yitz, the, the yips? The yips, yeah. The yips. Yep. He he seems to have the yips. Yeah, I get the sense <laughs>
5: that Ben Simmons is paralyzed mentally by what's going on here, and I don't know if there is a fix. And there are, we we always talk about physical injuries, and okay, this guy will be back in in six or eight weeks or whatever because of a high ankle sprain. There's no way to put a timetable on mental issues and mental health and we don't know if he'll ever turn into the player that he's capable of being physically because of the the mental issues and I, I'm with with Matthew I feel sad for the the guy because he does have that ability but he must just be so beside himself mentally that he just he, he can't live a normal life
7: it, it i mean if this is what you do for a living and you can't do it for a living it has to be. It is definitely a mental block that he's going through, where he's just, you know, there was a the, everything that he does is 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 so scrutinized and criticized. There was a video this summer where he was taking a jump shot and he airballed at at a at a, at a park, mm-hmm. and it was just a big topic. Like he look at him airballing shots. He is so, I guess, dialed into what everyone is saying about him and what he's dealing with. It is, it is, it is kind of <laughs> sad to watch and watch it unfold in real time. But if you're if you're getting paid that amount of money and you are the Brooklyn Nets, you had you had Kyrie, Katie, and you had James Harden. You got rid of James. Mm-hmm. Kyrie is going through his whole ordeal himself. And then you bring in Ben Simmons, who can't figure out how to get the ball in the bucket or even do anything on the court. It's almost like you you remember the 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 Monstars from Space Jam. It's like one of those yeah. guys took over his body and right. he just he just can't play basketball anymore.
5: You know who we should get on to talk about this and we'll probably have some real good insight into this, is Rick Hm, Because Rick just could not throw strikes anymore, and he wrote about it in his book. But I'll bet you he has, and every situation is different, but I'll bet you Rick Ankeel has some pretty unique thoughts that we haven't thought of about a guy like Ben Simmons.
8: Randy, I, I'm, unlike you, I'm not tied into the, to the Instagram timeline of, of these, some of these stories. I didn't realize Ben Simmons broke up his engagement In August of 2022, with Maya Gemma, who is a British uh, TV personality. Mm. Uh, might be contributing we'll to a little bit to his head being a little bit out of the game. Maybe a little bit. That, that's that's a rough one, my friend. I mm. think his head was out of
7: the game prior to August of 2022. She's a bad Maya Gemma. <laughs> yeah. oh, yes, Just is. saying, I don't think it, don't <laughs> think it adds to it. Because he's
8: not rebounding. He's not passing. The shooting's yeah. never been there. But where's that part of his game? Yeah, it's it, complete, it's, the, the defense. It was
5: 22, though. But all
8: of last year, with, how do we explain the playoff game? I'm saying it was August of 22. It's only been oh. three months. Right, so how do we explain Philadelphia oh, last yeah. year? Well, no, that was that right? that was actually an injury. That this now it's now was it's it head. was
7: it was it was it an injury or was it just what he said?
8: I mean, I I, no, I was he, never he was still with my he, he had a, a, a back problem.
7: injury and then he had what he said was mental mental health issues and you yeah. don't want to you know disparage anyone if that's the issue, but. You know, I, I, it seems to be that's the case right now, and he's struggling yeah. bad going through through what he's going through. That's sad. And they get Kyrie back apparently on Sunday. Brooklyn does, and that'll
5: be another interesting part of – their whole season, because it has been a circus. It is. It is. Yes, it is. Great job today by our producer-engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, CD, this was fun. It was. It's always fun. Yeah. I'll see you Monday. Yes, sir. You're oh, going to take a, a long weekend, yes. and you well-deserved, and take care of yourself. Alexa Datt will be in with me tomorrow. And for all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. By the way, you can hear Bob Costas and all of our interviews on the 101 ESPN app or... At 101ESPN.com, the podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day. St. Louis.
1: You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on
4: 101ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Looking for something to do this weekend? Vivid Seats
8: has tickets to sports, concerts, comedy, and theater, all at great prices with a 100% buyer guarantee. Visit vividseats.com or download the app and use 10 Ticket
5: for $10 off your first $100 purchase.